here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? Just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. He's just Makazi now. He's not okay, so so Makazi. He's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy. He's a man. Yeah. He's, he's a man. Man, Makazi. Are you ready? He got PWS superstar. I am fucked. He was gone in two minutes. In go Bernalis. In Bernalis. In go Bernalis. You're missing a B there, but that's. There's a B. This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like no. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Crage alongside no Joe Lanza today, but that's okay. I've scoured the dojo. I, I just, well, actually, this this man just cooked me a meal. I uh, scrubbed the dojo. He's He's done everything he needed to do, all of his duties. And I said, you know what? Sir, you are ready. You are ready to... I wouldn't say this is main event. I wouldn't say the, the Voice of Wrestling flagship is a main event. Maybe upper mid-card. Uh, mid-card. But anyway, I've, it's the Voice of Wrestling Young Lion. Case Low. Case, how are you? I am great. I'm excited to be on here. This is, uh, this is me tagging with the big guns now. Um, I'm yeah, I was going to say, are you like a Kakushi? Uh, who are you? Like, what, like, I, what, let's figure it, out the In my mind, I am Go Shiozaki right now, and you are Kenta Kobashi. Okay, all right. Can, can you deal with that? Is, that? is that a fair comparison? Uh, that's okay, yes. I will then ranked uh, 65th uh, <laughs> in all-time wrestler. Well, how's oh, NXT wait, sorry. since NXT? <laughs> right. Yeah, Kenta Kobashi, also known as Hideo Itami, <laughs> the skinny uh, guy you see on NXT who's been out with a shoulder injury. 
which is amazing because he started his career in like you know the late you know early eighties and he's still kicking and just just now got to developmental. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's Case Low. Uh, for people that don't know Case, what do you do for the website? Other, you know, we joke about the Young Lion thing. I, I think I might drop that though because you did a very good review, uh, a fantastic review of Dragon Gate uh, Kobe World. So I think you might be at mid card status right now. Uh, maybe upper mid card, definitely challenging for the U thirty title. Okay, I think all right. no doubt going for like we don't do a Young Lions Cup. But you'd be a, a top contender for that. But I think you might be a U thirty, uh, a potential U thirty champion. So that's uh, that's great. But no, what do you what do you do for the website for people that don't know? I try to review every Dragon Gate show that pops up. Um, the big shows for sure. There are five big pay per views and Cork and Hall shows that happen monthly. Um, occasionally, I'll do a um, Infinity taping from Osaka or Kyoto, wherever that may take place. Um, from time to time, I'll review AAW. I'll do some New Japan reviews. I did a G1 Climax review, and I've done some Best of the Super Juniors re- reviews. And I just sort of do whatever Rich wants me to do. Um, happy to be <laughs> on here and happy to write for the site. Yeah, I, I thought because we one of the main topics today that we're going to talk about is, is Kobe World, and I thought obviously as I just mentioned, you do you did an incredible review on the website. So I said, you know, that that's one of the topics I want to talk about today. I've watched the show. I'm pumped up. It's our like me and Joe's like semi annual like oh my god, we love Dragon Gate show where we like forget about it for two months and like we're we're watching, but it's like it's hard. I, I don't know. We just get so caught up in all the other stuff and all the other news. But usually around Kobe World, it's like all right, we do one show where it's ju- we almost just talk about that. But uh, so I thought, yeah, you were the best chance or the best guest I could even think of to have come on here because, you know, you obviously watch the show. You're a big Dragon Gate fan. You, you forgot to mention Open the Voice Gate here on this these very, quote, networks. Uh, Voice of Wrestling, you do a, uh, a – you co-host with John, Jules, and uh, – Dylan. Is it Jimmy? Yeah, Jimmy. I don't know. He's Jimmy slash Dylan. I don't know what the hell – because he's Jimmy on Twitter and everything, right? The, but the he's problem Dylan. Is, is that I, I am on the show with Jimmy slash Dylan, and I'm never sure what name – Okay, so it's not me, because I feel bad that I, like, because I called him Jimmy once, and he was like, oh, and then I was like, I don't know what you are, man. I I understand. Your Twitter account's Jimmy Susumu, so I just think he's Jimmy Susumu in my head all the time, which doesn't work out that well. (laughs) And then he told me he's Dylan, and then we have, like, two, what what doesn't help is that we have a Dylan Justin who writes for us. Correct. And then a Jimmy Dylan or a Dylan Jim. I'm like, well, no, no, this is too much. Like, so someone's got. By the time it. you're done listening to this, if you want even more Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate <laughs> is recording this weekend, so we'll have two Kobe World podcast Ooh, reviews nice. on the flagship network. Go listen to those. Yeah, it absolutely it absolutely deserves it too. Uh, so, we'll, like I said, we'll talk about Kobe World here. We're going to review the show here in a bit. We'll talk a little G1 climax as well, and then if we get the time, because I think we're going to spend a lot of time on those two topics, I'll talk a little bit about uh, WWE Battleground and also the uh, Raw and SmackDown from this week, the first of the post brand splits era, new era, whatever the hell you want to call it. But before we get into Kobe World, case I do have to let people know that this podcast is sponsored by MacWeldon.com. Case, have you ever had a chance to wear any MacWeldon underwear? Uh, I am someone going into my senior year of high school, which means I am yes. beginning a road of sexual escapades, and I want to be prepared. <laughs> so with that, I will be making a purchase or two at MacWeldon.com using my 20% off promo code VOW. Wow, you're good. I want to wow the ladies when the time comes. You know everything here, yeah. And it, it, it uh, of course, it doesn't have to just be underwear. As Joe has said, he he wore wore this hoodie. Worked out quite well for him. They have undershirts, sweatpants, socks, shirts, all the other good stuff. I've wore their underwear. I can attest to it being awesome. Joe has wore the hoodie. He says he loves it. So it, it's just really great stuff. Uh, they they pride themselves on on smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping. The website's super easy to go to. So when you decide to get, what, what are you planning on getting? The the hoodie or 
just a shirt or what, what or everything? Are you just your whole wardrobe is gonna be Mac Waller? Probably gonna be my whole wardrobe. I think I'm gonna make <laughs> okay. the move from pro wrestling and punk rock t-shirts to Mac Weldon shirts this senior year. Oh, maybe oh. maybe try to make a few more friends. <laughs> and no, no, no. I mean, I definitely do that. And use you know promo code VOW at MacWeldon.com, but not all the. I mean, you can wear the wrestling shirts and, and Mac Weldon sweatpants too. Like, don't you know? Don't. Of course, that's a stylish look. Sweatpants are in. Yeah, exactly. So you can do that. Um, when you know things get going with the ladies, they'll see your Mac Weldon underwear, and that will no doubt just get everything going because it's like, oh, is that? Are those premium fabrics? Is that my, my antimicrobial? And you can say yes, it is. And if you go to MacWeldon.com, use the promo code VOW, you get twenty percent off. But anyway, just had to let you know that they are sponsoring this podcast. And if you haven't worn them yet or checked the website out, please do. Uh, I can attest to it, and and Joe can attest to it. In case we'll soon attest to it, it is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. MacWeldon.com. Use the promo code VOW. And you get 20% off. So, Case, are you ready for this? I think I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, let's talk Colby World. So now, one of the things that Joe and I always do, which is terrible, and, and particularly with Dragon Gate shows, which we always screw up on, is we'll start at the beginning of these shows. And then, like, by the time we get to the main event, we're kind of, like, burnt out, especially with the Dragon Gate show. So I want to talk right about the main event. Okay. Let's go right start out with Yamato versus Shingo Takagi. Open the Dream Gate. This is a match you gave, I believe, four and three-quarter stars, correct? Correct. I'm going to let you, I'll, I'll let you have the floor first. What did you love so much about this match that it was that close to five stars for you? There's something really unique with Open the Dreamgate Championship matches and especially matches at Kobe World. Um, Dreamgate at times is a very flamboyant promotion with a lot of pageantry and it doesn't get any bigger and it doesn't get any better than that of the main event for their main title at the biggest show of the year. And with that, you've got Yamato and Shingo Takagi, who for my money are two of the very best wrestlers in the world. As I talked about in my review, Shingo has been on an 11-month run since winning the Dreamgate last August of unheralded success. Um, I've enjoyed his run so much as a bully, taking down the likes of Don Fuji and Masaki Mochizuki and Gama and others. And now Yamato had his chance. He he was looking for revenge after Verzor turned on him at Dead or Alive. He was a babyface. He had the crowd behind him. And they did it. They they followed through with this angle. That's the one thing I love about Dragon Gate more than anything else is that as a fan of the product, I feel like I get rewarded. And this was like, you know what? You've invested so much time into this. You've done podcasts. You've done reviews. You've watched the shows. You've stayed up until early hours <laughs> in the you, morning. Case. It was all for you, baby. Exactly. And Yamato pulled through, <laughs> put Shingo away in just over 33 minutes. And I can't say enough good things about this match. Were you surprised that Yamato won, or did you think that that was the story? That was the right story. That was everything. Like that, that you, you were, did, did you think that this was going to happen, or do you think it was going to kind of keep going for a little bit longer? Yeah, this was what I wanted to happen. Ha- have happen. Um, Shingo had a great run, as I said, but this was the time for it to end. There was finally a a rightful uh, person to take his place as champion. Uh, it wrapped up the story nicely, and I think Yamato winning was one hundred percent the right move. Yeah, and and the parts that I really loved about the match is and you described it very eloquently in the, in the review that it, it's the part and, and I think Yamato really I think he's a guy that that you know if you don't come away from this match saying that guy is just so great Yamato is such a perfect and especially in the babyface role I just loved him so much in this match of of how how 
it just he, he harnessed that so well. And it, what's crazy about him, and, that, and that's kind of my larger point, is that he's so good as a heel, too. Then you, when you see him do both these and you see that he can just excel and be so great at both ends of the spectrum, you just have to say, God, this guy is great. Like, he's just really, really fucking great. Like, when it was over, that was my thought. And, and I love Shingo, and I thought Shingo was fantastic in this match. I loved his, his kind of bully offense the entire – and that's what he's been doing his entire run. As you mentioned, that's been his he, – he's, he's just a big, giant bully. He's an asshole. He's a dick. He says terrible things on the mic. He's just a, a pain in the ass to everybody. And in this match, he was just a bully, but Yamato was a little bit faster, a little bit more resilient, a little bit better. But you still had a big control period where Shingo was just kicking Yamato's ass, and you're like, oh, man, this is it's it. Like, Shingo's going to just kill him, and it's over. And then, you, you know, he even hits... Um, he he does it kind of like what you would think would be the finishing sequence, and Yamato kind of gets out of it, and then what's cool is that it doesn't just end right after that. You have like another 10 minutes after that, so it's like Shingo gave him everything, Yamato got through it, and then Shingo's kind of scrambling. I'm like, ah, shit, what do I do now? Like, that was that was it. That's how I've beaten everybody. That's how I've had this 11-month reign or whatever, you know, broken up very briefly by Jimmy Suma, but this is, you know, how I was able to do this. I was able to bully these people, and do and, and Yamato just, it, it, it didn't work. Yamato was just that much better on this night. If Yamato was in the Cruiserweight Classic or in Bola or was being booked for Rev Pro or was in perhaps the Scenic City Invitational, he would be the talk of the town as one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, it just so happens that he's in a promotion that people love, but it also has a skewed perception of what it is. This, to mm-hmm. me, was the coming out party of Yamato's not Dragon Gate great. Yamato is hands down one of the best wrestlers in the world. And one of the most exciting parts about this match was that he had three established finishers he could go to. He beat Shingo in 2013 for the Dream Gate with a roll-up. He has the sleeper hold, he has the cross arm breaker, and he has the Galleria, the pinfall, which he eventually put Takagi away. So there were near falls in this 30-minute match that you were like that could be it that could be it and it wasn't and then he finally put him away with the fourth move he had it was it was a brilliant match yeah and, and Shingo if I remember correctly off the top of my head I think he hit at least a few of his of course you know he had his huge lariats or whatever but I think he did he hit a last falconry that Yamato kicked out of and a made in Japan I think he hit both of I those think, right? I know he hit a made in Japan and then he did sort of a modified made in Japan Galleria where he just dropped Yamato on his head it was disgusting that's the one okay yeah. that's the one I'm thinking yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the falconry, but yeah, that, that it, it must have been kind of an alteration to that. And like what I said, with both of those is like you get the first kick out, and then it, it's not the end of the match. Then then you it's like only you know kind of not midway, but about you know three fourths of the way in, and then you're like, all right, cool. Like so, we got another ten minutes. Like you know, a lot of times you get these kick out fests where it just becomes okay. I hit my finisher, then you hit your finisher. I you know where you get that for the last five minutes is just that. But this was like they hit their finisher, it didn't work, or they hit you know one of their signature moves and it didn't work, and they had to go find something else. And it wasn't like immediately they found something else they sort of worked their way up there uh and Yamato he was another interesting one as well because he worked the arm almost the entire time of Shingo tries the arm breaker and it just doesn't work he cannot get this guy to stop so he goes all right that's not gonna work and that's the that's the great part about Dragon Gate and I know you've mentioned this multiple times I'm sure you guys have mentioned it uh, on Open the Voice Gate as well is that having those many different finishers and many different signature moves makes a match like this a lot more fun because if you you, you don't really know what's gonna finish this guy off yeah, this was uh, a great example of the Dragon Gate style being done right, and um, I, I get emotionally sucked into these matches, so when Takagi dropped Yamato on his head with that sort of modified Galleria, I closed my eyes on that pinfall because <laughs> I was so antsy about this match, and it was about 5.30 in the morning. I had almost passed out during intermission, had a little bit of a health scare, and so by this point, I had been sleep-deprived, but I was so emotionally invested in this match, and I was on my feet at like 5.30 in the morning, closing my eyes on this pinfall, because I didn't want to imagine Yamato not kicking out. 
Yeah, and and you know, again, talking about the Yamato being the great, great as you mentioned, this is a guy who last year was like a no doubt in the best tag team as a heel, you, you know, and then now transitions as a singles guy, and we've seen him do everything. And like you said, I think now it's finally time, and I think hopefully this match and and maybe this year in the Observer Ballots, even though you know Dragon Gate traditionally does pretty terrible in those, and um, I, I do hope that people can kind of look at this guy's career now and, and look at it in a full scope and go, okay, this guy has done every single role and he's excelled in every single one of these roles, particularly in these last two years where he was in no doubt the best tag team in the world. I, I, I last year, the <laughs> Yamato and Noroki Doi, the best, I, I bar none, the best tag team in the, in the entire world last year and was able to kind of transition out of there into this babyface singles role where he's just as good and the fans love him just as much. It's like, this guy can just do it all. He's just so good. Yeah, uh, today's actually, as we're recording this, is 10th anniversary on wrestling, and it's been fun to go back and sort of watch some of his older matches. You see, um, as soon as he returned from Excursion, which was really short, he went over and did a few ROH shots in 2007, but then really came right back to Japan and started killing it. Someone that, since the day he started, has been on fire. He's been a great heel. He's been a great babyface. He's been a great ace. He's been a great tag team competitor. Now this is him. This is his company. He's going to take this company to hopefully great places. Uh, and then, of course, one of the important parts of any uh, Dragon Gate show, the iHeartDG.com, which I uh, obviously does uh, translations of the post-match promos. And I just want to read these here real quick because that really lets you know kind of the story going in and the story going out of these matches. Uh, here's the post-match, of course, from iHeartDG.com. Uh, Yamato said the day was finally here. His 10th anniversary in wrestling was coming up soon, as you mentioned as today. In those 10 years, this guy on the stage with him has been a constant as a partner and as an enemy. The match today is different. Here on the highest stage, he would fight. Uh, this is before the match, of course. I forgot to mention. Uh, here, he would fight with everything he has to win, and then um, Siamato sort of reminiscing about his career and facing Takagi. Uh, Takagi then he wondered when, <laughs> as I said, he's just so great. Shingo, obviously Shingo Takagi, wondered when Yamato turned into such a melodramatic bitch. The fans boo him. That is fine. There are people that think he is right. There are people that think Yamato is right. They don't matter. The fans don't decide. The company doesn't decide. What happens in the ring is what matters, which is awesome. It's so great. Uh, that is where the decisions are made and where history is written. Takagi has been writing history as Dreamgate champion for almost a year now. Today, a new entry will be entered. It will no longer be Dreamgate equals Shingo Takagi. It will be Dragon Gate equals Shingo Takagi. And then in this battle... Uh, to decide who is the strongest, the Dreamgate champion or the Kingate champion or the Kingate winner, uh, that will also equal Shingo Takagi. So just Shingo just saying, you know, A, you're a bitch and I'm going to beat you because I'm better than you. So just perfect stuff. Uh, and then after the match, there's a ton of emotions as well. Uh, Takagi got on the mic real quick and just kind of, I, I don't I don't have the exact translations in front of me, but I uh, wasn't very happy about it and kind of just <laughs> told the fans to go fuck themselves. <laughs> uh, and then Yamato, uh, you know, of course, just reminiscing about the 10 years that he had and, and his climb back to this, you know, getting turned on uh, by Naroki Doi, um, you know, a few months back. And just a really great story, too. And I think the pre-match uh, video did a very good job, too. Even if you're just catching up to Dragon Gate, and I think this is always an important thing for a lot of people, is they, they're they not really sure, hey, when do I jump into Dragon Gate? How do I do it? I tell you, I, I don't know I don't know a lick of English. I know nothing of English. I watched that pre-match promo, and you know exactly what's going on with the company. Is that is that not more correct? Rich, you did say you don't know a lick of English. I'm going to assume you meant Japanese. Oh, <laughs> I'm not um. very good at English either, but as, as evidenced by uh, the, the flub right there. Thank you for uh, catching that. That's, but yeah, uh, that's completely accurate. I actually, I think this Shingo versus Yamato match is a great place to start. Um, th- this entire show, I think, if you have a 
basic the, the most basic understanding of what Dragon Gate is and who's in the company, I think you can enjoy this show and I think especially the main event. This is sort of going to kickstart the second half of 2016. Um, and the the pre match video will hopefully explain everything that you need to know. Uh, so even if you're not a Dragon Gate fan, even if you're not really sure who Yamato or Shingo Takagi is, I think give this match a watch. I think there's a good chance you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, anything else on the uh, Dreamgate match? I I just I love Kobe World Dreamgate matches with the Japanese anthem playing before. Oh, match. how cool is that? And then like what, what I love about that too. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that again. I love that that when they play that anthem, and even the heel is like tearing up. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Like and like because it's like that's a big one. I mean, he's guys a total dickhead. He, he's an asshole. He's this sort of thing. But he's still a human being, and that's something that we lose a lot in American wrestling and Western wrestling. Is that like. You know, if there was a big time heel and he was of Shingo's level, if they played the national anthem, he wouldn't care. He'd be snorting and spitting and and talking crap. But the Shingo is like, okay, he gets kind of lost in the moment himself, and he kind of goes, oh man, this is this is a big deal here. And you got the crowd, you know, just it, it's just a huge crowd, a great atmosphere. And I think I love the fact that they only do you know one big big huge show a year because I think then you really know, okay, this one matters. Everybody kind of the stakes are a little bit higher here. And yeah, of course, all the companies kind of do their one big one but you know like a new japan will do a few shows here and there you know they'll do sumo hall they'll do tokyo dome they'll do some stuff like that you know WWE obviously is always in kind of a big arena and then for you know wrestlemania they'll do a big one but i just love the fact that dragon it kind of reserves it for this one huge show and then there's just such an outpouring of emotion from the crowd and from everybody involved especially in that main event when that anthem plays like you, you, i tear up and i'm like i don't i'm not even japanese like why yes, do i care that no, much about it? But like you do because they zoom in and you see shingo and like shingo's like tearing up and you're like oh man like the, geez, the camera is, a big deal Anthem and and I give Gaiora, um, the company that airs Dragon Gate stuff, a lot of shit. And I don't know if they're in charge of production or not, but I always compliment Gaiora because they annoy me with when they decide to air shows and what shows air. But when it comes to delivering a quality production, especially during that national anthem, it's the best thing in wrestling. I mean, <laughs> it is unmatched the emotion that that forty five seconds brings out of you. Yeah, you'll you'll go you'll get. You'll, you'll cry like I you tear up like I don't even know why I do I just do it's just it's, it's amazing they're they're incredible so uh let's move on to some other matches on this card because as you said I thought it was a fantastic card I you you absolutely agree you wrote that in your review as well I think it's a great entry point too for anybody that's looking to get into Dragon Gate because I think every story was very simple and there was a, a quite a few like different you know changes or changes of directions for characters and stuff so I just think it's a very good point to kind of jump on in so let's um we, you know, we did the main event. Let's start with the beginning. Um, well, for, first off, I do have to mention this, which uh, plays up um, into uh, a show topic from a few weeks ago. Uh, this is again from iHeartDG. Uh, during the customary open, uh, Shima asked everybody to refrain from playing Pokemon Go during the show, which is just fantastic. I'm disgusted so. with this. I haven't downloaded the app yet, even though Rich tells me it's a great way to meet women. Uh, it is. But I'm embarrassed that Shima even had to say something. <laughs> I don't know the tone though, because I, I I I went back to try to look at when he's saying that, and I think I found the part, and people kind of laugh a little bit, but I'm not entirely like I don't know if he was like being serious. Yeah, or, it's I like they laugh looked. and they're putting their phone away at the same time, like ah shit, right. he knows. Like yeah, like they're laughing, like ah, but they're like they know that she will probably is like no seriously, <laughs> like don't do it, or I'm gonna come out there and <laughs> give you give each and every one of you a meteor. So that was uh. That was fantastic. So we'll start with the opener here. It was Anoki Tanizaki, Monday Ryu, and Cyber Kong versus Gamma, Yamamura, and Ishida, which, um, you know, what, big takeaway from this match, I don't really have a whole lot. It was just kind of a, a showcase match uh, for some of the younger guys, but little, you know, a little over six minutes uh, with Tanizaki, Ryu, and, and Kong winning. But I thought the 
big takeaway, and I guess it, it's kind of the theme of this entire show, is just how many good young wrestlers Dragon Ed has. And Yamamura and Ishida are guys that are they're babies. They're children, uh, and they're, they're already so good. And it's like, man, this company is just littered with great young guys that are, that are like under 24, every single one of them. It's insane. It's completely insane. And Yamamura and Ishida have been up touring for about a year now, and they, they've never had an opportunity to shine. They've just been a lot of these six- and eight-man tag matches. Yeah. But I have no doubt that as soon as they turn them loose, they're going to start delivering on a high level, just like everyone in Dragon Gate does. Uh, Super Shisha, Super Shisha, let me try that again, Super Shisha, Don Fuji and Masaki Mochizuki do such an amazing job in the dojo. Uh, this was exciting to watch. Yamamura and Ishida have their first Kobe World matches, and uh, Cyber Kong um, actually looked good in this match he was great he was ragdolling everybody throwing people around he had the most fire i've seen out of cyber kong in in years <laughs> so um yeah r- really really fun opener uh the biggest thing the biggest takeaway if you're kind of jumping in is to, to look at yamamura and Shida and just and look at i'm not gonna tell you their ages look it up on your own we've talked about it here before and you will be stunned by how good they are and and it's just i think the thing that that and, and you mentioned a little bit i think and everybody that sees these guys understands that Every single person, no matter who it is, they watch those two guys and the immediate reaction is, who are they? And, oh, my God, they're going to be great. They're, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, they, it, they just, there's like something children. about them. There's just, yeah. Yeah. And, it, they, and they look like babies. I mean, because they, they are. I yeah. mean, they're super. But it's, it's you, your, your takeaway is, man, these guys just have it. You know, it's one of those it things where they leave the ring and you go, those guys are not going to be nobodies. They're going to be something. They're already they're already able to play to the crowd. They look smooth (laughs) in the ring. Like not a lot that they do is like "Eh, that looks like a guy that's been wrestling for a year. I mean, they already look so smooth in the ring. I am so excited for Dragon Gate's future. They've got uh, three more people that we'll talk about that I think just have a world of potential. Yeah, and, and another one will be in this next match. So it was uh, Hollywood Stalker Ishikawa. He is not the person we were talking about. Uh, Setsuoka <laughs> Boy, UT, and then the man I believe you were trying to talk about, Big R Shimizu. Actually, no. There's someone on the other team that I wanted to bring up. Ah, I, oh, I see him. Okay, yes. And then uh, they defeated the team. Uh, Big R Shimizu hit the shot, put slam on uh, Jimmy Kanes. Uh, but yeah, it was Genki Horiguchi, Rio Jimmy Saito, uh, as I mentioned, Kanes, and then Futa Nakamura. This, that, I believe, this is the other Futa one Nakamura kid is the next coming of Shingo Takagi, who we just mentioned in the main event. Uh, Nakamura, uh, including this match, has had about 15 minutes of footage air. He had a clip match in June on a King of Gate show. I think it might have been the, the May 22nd show, actually. Um, he just aired. Uh, he just had a match air on the 710 Osaka show right before Kobe World, and then he had this. And Futa Nakamura has a mullet. He's jacked to the gills like Scott Steiner in his prime. And this kid is a machine. Okay, he didn't eat the pin here, which says something. He's teaming oh, with Masaki yeah. Mochizuki in the Summer Adventure Tag League, and he looked like an absolute beast in this match, going one on one with Big R Shimizu. Uh, keep your eyes out for Futa Nakamura because this kid could be something really special. The 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 mullet does that to stay, or do you do you like the fact that he's got the mullet? Oh, the, is mullet very, the mullet stays. It's not like the okay. Michael Elgin mullet. This this mullet does him favor. This helps his look. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I, I 100% agree. But yeah, again, he's just another guy that's just like shocking of how because he debuted in what, like late April, right? I I believe so. And then the first time we saw him was on the King of Gate tour. I don't remember which show, but yeah, so around April or May. And he's like you said, he's jacked out of his mind. Like, and, and that's I mean, a lot of these guys, like we mentioned, Yakamura and Nishida are like 100 pounds each. You know, they're they're super skinny guys. I mean, they're cut. They, they're in decent shape. But of course, they're they're still like their children, but Nakamura is not. I mean, Nakamura is huge. And that's another guy that you see him in the ring and you immediately go, okay, yeah, there, there's, if this guy can add any sort of 
you know, if this guy continue refining his in-ring ability, he's going to be great. And he's a guy who doesn't cut. It's not like he comes in there and he's a big stiff and he's just crap. He's not. He's, he's already great. And yeah, like you said, him not eating that pinfall, I think, says so much about what they see in him and, and, and what, you know, the future holds for him. And, and Big R Shimizu is another one who, again, we talked about a great King of Gate run. Uh, Joe and I talked about a few weeks ago uh, in this match, kind of put into a nothing match at the beginning of this that disappointed a lot of people. But he got the pinfall and he looked strong throughout this. So I guess it's not a not a big not a big deal. Right. No, I think this was actually a benefit for Big R um, because he was clearly the most powerful man, both from a positioning standpoint of the roster and from a strength mm-hmm. standpoint. And so this was a showcase for him to look really strong, uh, both literally and figuratively. It just so happened that Fuda Nakamura was in the match and almost outshined him. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think another one you were talking about, or I guess another one we can add to the list of just incredible young talents that uh, Dragon has. El Lindemann, in four minutes, a little bit over four minutes, defeats Jimmy Conda. What'd you make of that? Of of kind of a uh, kind of a squash match for El Lindemann. So if you listen to Open the Voice Gate, uh, the four people on that show, myself included, are the biggest fans of El Lindemann around today. Um, Lindemann debuted in 2014 as Yuga Hayashi. I watched his debut match in Cork and Hall, and I said, this kid is going to be a star. And two years later, he's got sweet pink hair. He just squashed Jimmy Conda and Kobe World. He's romantically involved with Yosuke Santa Maria, and I can't wait to see where he goes. He destroyed Conda here. He's my personal favorite wrestler to watch right now. I think he's incredible, and I think he's only going to get better. So I loved seeing this. Yeah, no, I I really love him too, and and the storyline that they have going on with him and, and Yusuke Santa Maria now, where they're like kids in love, is just it's incredible. It's, like it's Romeo it's, and Juliet because they're in two different units, and like Shima's like they can't dad, be friends. Like, I yeah, don't they know. gotta like they gotta like pass notes during oh. passing periods. Like they can't really be seen together, but like they just you know when they do come together, it's just magic, and you just know it has to happen. Linda, uh, it's down just down like, the they gotta get match. Skipping with Yosuke Santa Maria, <laughs> and I think that is maybe the most adorable thing I've ever seen. And, and Lindemann too, he's because he, of course he's still very young. Uh, his when he gets on the mic and he speaks, he just sounds like a fourteen-year-old too. Which I like. I don't know if like he's trying to play that up a little bit more, or that's like actually what he sounds like. I'm assuming that's actually what he sounds like, but it's just it's just fantastic. It, like if you close your eyes, it is. Absolutely just like a 14-year-old like rom-com thing going on between Lindemann and Yusuke Santa Maria. But yeah, I think a very telling thing that, you know, it was a little over four minutes and he won there with the Locomotion Tiger Suplex. And yeah, El Lindemann is great as well. Um, shed a little bit of the kind of the baby fat that Yuga uh, had and really kind of got it all together. And El Lindemann is, is I, I see only the big things uh, in the rest of the year and, and in next year for El Lindemann. But I think we're seeing the slow build a little bit there. And this Yusuke Santa Maria story might be the thing that kind of gets it going. But yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. As well, uh, I don't believe there was any hot youngsters in this next match. Well, but, uh, real quick, I do want to bring up one more yeah. point about Lindemann. Um, it's funny that you bring up his voice because it's my understanding. I don't speak Japanese either, but it's my understanding that his promo skills are incredibly advanced for his age. Um, he actually, uh, I believe, it was at the end of 2014 in Corkin, um, had a promo battle with Shima, where the Corkin crowd at the end believed that that Yuga Hayashi or El Lindemann was actually the better hmm. promo than Shima on that night. So he might have a really high-pitched voice, but it's my understanding that the kid can talk and that the crowd no, is listening to him talk. 
Yeah, no, and I, I said it's like a soothing sort of voice, and he 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 speaks very fast. Of course, yo, I have no idea what the hell he's saying, but you can kind of see it's like it's fast, and the crowd's always reacting to everything he says. So you kind of, unfortunately, with us not knowing Japanese, we that's kind of how we judge it. It's like, oh, they must be like he must be saying something that's getting him going. But yeah, he cut a promo uh, before this match as well that the crowd was just going nuts for, and I, I you know, of course, we got some translations and whatnot. I don't know exactly what he's saying, but yeah, I've, I'm under the impression too that he is a good promo, despite the fact I have no idea what he says, and he sounds like a 14 year old. But that's fine, that works. <laughs> Hell, it, it works with the gimmick, man. It, it, go with it. It's it's not bad. So, uh, yes, down the next match, as I mentioned, I don't believe there were any youngsters in this one. I believe the youngest man in this match. Was Mochizuki the youngest man in this match? I, I believe so, and Mochizuki is 46, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Right, so that lets you know what we got here. It's uh, Mochizuki, the legendary Fujiwara, and they defeated Don Fuji and Masakatsu uh, Funaki. Um, how old is uh, Funaki's? What fifty two or something like that? I I can't call the is the, yeah. and look that up real fast. Yeah, let me let me uh, I, I I'll I'll fill in for the producer here. Oh, he's forty seven. So let's see what Mochizuki is. That might be. Oh boy, let's see. Oh man, try and look it up. Why? Oh come on. Yeah, you you go. Okay, All you right. want me to take this one? Yeah, I screwed it up. I spelled his name wrong and it didn't give me any correction. 46. Okay, so Machizuki is indeed the youngest man in this match by one year, uh, defeating uh, Funaki. So, yeah, this. Uh, what did you make of this match? This was kind of a showcase match of, of legends and, and, and guys that you know everybody, everybody loves, but it was kind of just, you know, Fujiwara kind of came out there. It's probably the biggest pop of the entire night. Uh, Don Fuji's awesome, and Mochizuki is still great, and Funaki's still great, but yeah, uh, Fujiwara's, you know, <laughs> I enjoy him, but yeah, it's 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 a little weird. There was a, a great spot, though. Um, they fought in a crowd, and I believe at one point, Don Fuji uh, teased, like, tossing Fujiwara yes, off. It's, <laughs> it's, it's elderly punishment. It's not okay, because I know whenever yeah. Fuji goes into the crowd, especially in Cork and Hall, he looks for the closest balcony in and he tries to throw someone off <laughs> right. there. And as soon as they went to the crowd, I was like, oh, shit, he's going to try to throw Fujiwara off the balcony. <laughs> and that's not okay. Right. When he does it to, like, an L. Lindemann or whatever, you're like, ah, you know what? That guy could probably survive it, that. It, like, that's all right. Don't fall off a balcony. Yeah, I'll, I'll get over it. But it's Fujiwara. He's not yeah, you're like, oh, too well. <laughs> and the crowd kind of did that, too. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. And, like, it was just that was my favorite one this entire match. Uh, but it was kind of fun. I mean, I always loved Don Fuji. I love Fujiwara. I love Mochizuki. I love Funaki. So everything was great in this match any other big takeaways that you got from this one i think it's just kind of fun like, well, I, kind of there, turned, were two, you know. there were two things that i noted one uh also in the crowd fujiwara took a um a fan shoe and beat don fuji over the head with it um so that's the greatest spot in wrestling this year uh take that ricochet and osprey and two when mochizuki and funaki were in the ring um and they, they backstage they agreed to have a singles match sometime in the future i don't know if that'll actually I approve of. Uh, <laughs> but Mochizuki and Funaki had such insane chemistry in this match. They only did a few spots together, but I, I need to see that match in a Guts world or if Nosawa out of the question wants to run another produce show, give me Mochizuki and Funaki in a singles match. Yeah, that that really took me... I, it took me by surprise. I mean, I knew these guys. I mean, they're both awesome, so it wasn't like a total shock that they would get in the ring and be so good, but it was just like immediately they fought you know they got in the ring and it was just immediately awesome and like you could tell that those two just just got it they just understood one another perfectly and yeah you know like i said they kind of agreed uh to a match backstage i'm trying to see when would they have ever crossed i'm trying to think of the other time when they would have gotten in the ring together oh okay so last time was uh Geora 20 uh, tv 20th anniversary super fighting spirit in 2011 it was funaki and uh oh minoru suzuki oh and mochi oh so they were on the same team okay so they've never actually fought one another 
How about so have you partisan seen forces? Yeah. The, uh, the I have not. I don't know. Do I want to? Is so much fun. It was on OpenTheDrangate.com, which unfortunately, like that, finally got caught by like the powers that be. Uh, the main <laughs> event is Shima Liger and Mudo versus Holy shit. Uh, Great yeah. Sasuke, Masada Yoshina, and Suwama. Uh, there's a, I gotta watch the show. Yeah, this is uh, cool. I, I, I'm actually, I'm gonna see if I, I know someone that might have it because it's worth the watch. Uh, Tanizaki and Doi wrestled Kai and Shuji Kondo, and this is one of those shows where Shuji Kondo left Dragon Gate in 2004, at the end of 2004, and had some really bad blood, and so he comes in and wrestles Naruki Doi in the show. <laughs> and the the one thing I've learned from Dragon Gate USA is that Americans hate wrestling Doi because he does that face slap spot. And from what I understand, it's total shoot slaps to the face. He hits you as hard as he can. And so this match, Doi and Shuji Kondo beat the shit out of each other. It's a wonderful thing to watch. This is incredible. The show. BB Hulk, Jinsei Sasaki, Tajiri versus Kas Hayashi, Nosawa out of the question, the aforementioned Nosawa out of the question, and Taka Michinoku. I got to watch this show. I it's will incredible. see if someone has this. Um, I know a few people that might, but this, this show... And that main event, yeah, I, at least that main event. Shima, Liger, Mudo versus Great Sasuke, Yoshino, and Suwama. Holy crap. Well, there you go. That was the last time that those two have crossed paths. But yeah, they got in the ring together, and immediately it's like they've been wrestling each other uh, you know, on tours for the last 20 years. Like, it, it, I, I cannot wait to see if they have a singles match. Whatever promotion it's in, whether it be Dragon Gate or, yeah, like you said, some random produce show, whatever... Uh, definitely somebody has to make that happen. Um, all right, move on to the Open the Brave Gate Championship. This was Eita versus Yosuke Santa Maria. Uh-oh. Yosuke Santa Maria has lost the Open the Brave Gate Championship. Did you cry? I did not cry. I held back tears. Uh, <laughs> this was another match where Eita's on another planet right now. And y- Yosuke, to her credit, since December, she had a match with Mochizuki and Cork and Hall, and it was like something changed. It was like Yosuke Santa Maria is no longer the comedy wrestler that sits on people's faces for fun. I can't believe I just said that. She's now a serious competitor. <laughs> she beat Kotoka for the Brave Gate in March, and since then, she's had one hell of a reign and it ended at the right time. It went to Ada, who was the hottest act besides maybe Yamato in the company right now. Uh, I gave this match three and three quarters, loved it. Ada submitted her in just under 12 minutes. Rich, what do you think about this match? Yeah, I loved it just as much as you did. And I think, again, you talk about these two people and you talk about the trajectory of these two. Like, you couldn't have booked a better match for this Open the Brave Gate other than, like you said, Yusuke Santamaria has been on a multiple multiple month, you know, just just gets it, just figured it out and, and moved past, which I think everybody was kind of waiting for. You know, we sort of knew why she was doing the comedy stuff and the fun and the haha. But then it was like, all right, like you can do that, but then also be like a really good in ring. And we've we've seen that we've seen that for the last you know seven or eight months now. It's like a complete transition from not simply just being something you laugh at, but something that you can laugh at. And then like when the bit when when the when the light goes on, it's like all right, well she's awesome too. Like she's a really good in ring worker. So yeah, I thought that was incredible. Um, and then Ata again, he's on like ever since that King of the Gate, um, which I think uh, it wasn't. He's a guy who's shown a lot of potential for a while, but it was like that King of the Gate. Everybody's eyes woke up and they went, oh, my God, this guy's got it. He's awesome. He's great. So I think this is the perfect time to give him that title, give him a run, ride that momentum a little bit. And you see Santa Maria, you know, as much as I loved her as the champion, I think it'll be fine. You know, her kind of moving on and doing some other stuff. She's got the different stories or whatever. She always strikes me as somebody who can who can flourish without the championship. She doesn't need a title to sort of define her. Do you, do you agree? Yeah. Completely. It it, it and she's, and she's got the Linda man relationship now. So she's going right. into something else. 
Exactly. So I, I thought that was a perfect time. Uh, you know, ride that momentum, give it to Ata, let it, you know, see where it goes from there. But yeah, I'm super excited to see open the Brave Gate matches from here on out because it's just it's my favorite title in Dragon Gate because every single match, every single time I've seen it, I enjoy it. And Ata's just going to kill it there. And he's just had such great stuff, whether it be the Super J Cup, Kim Gate, as I mentioned, or, or and here again on on Kobe World, just killed it. Absolutely. Uh, move on to the open the Twin Gates. Jimmy Susumu, Jimmy Katsudori, they defeated Noroki Doi and Brother Yashi. Uh, I'm kind of done with the Brother Yashi thing. What do you say I, about I'm that? completely I, done yeah. with it. And I'm in a minority on Open the yep. Voice Gate. Go, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, no, you're absolutely you. right. No, no, no. You're, you're 100% right. Because it was like three minutes into the match, and I was like, all right. <laughs> like, I want Noroki Doi to face the like, team with someone better. Like, just to, to have everybody else that was so good in this match, and Susumu, I thought, was the MVP of this match so far and away, which is so great. And Doi is incredible. Yashi just struck out or, or stuck out as so much of a sore thumb in this match. It's just not being on the same level as anybody else in this ring. It um it was almost like there were two matches, and Joe um actually said this on Twitter that this was like two matches, and the brother Yashi portion of this match sucked because he worked over Susumu and Kagator, and it was so boring, and I didn't care, and he cut Kagator's beard off, and I just wasn't into it. I was prepared to just destroy this match in my review, and then Naruki Doi came in, and for the last ten or so minutes had the kind of Twin Gate match I love, which is just batshit crazy off the wall stuff. Uh, and he and Kegatora and he and Susumu tore it up the last 10 minutes, but I'm over this Brother Yashi thing. I thought it was really cool when he came back for one night and teamed with Yoshino to wrestle Yamadoi, which is how long ago that was now. And then he came back, and now he's in there full-time, and I just don't care because uh, he's, he's a novelty to me, and that novelty's worn off because I, I just I don't see him as a, as a viable in-ring performer in Dragon Gate. Yeah, and he just it, it just doesn't fit with Dragon Gate right now. It just seems weird, and it's like you, you don't really quite it, it, it. I don't know. There's just something, and, and like in ring again, like you talk about this company that's just exploding with talent all across the board. We talked about you know in the opener, there's four people that are awesome. In the second match, there's you know it's just so many great people in this company, and yet you got like Brother Yashi in these like big spots, and it's just like he just wasn't good. And this match, you know, whether you you, you disagree or not, I, I just can't see you saying or, or watching this match and going, yeah, he's awesome. You know what I mean? Like because you said the control period was just awful and it was like it was blatantly awful too like everybody that sees it i think will come away with the same thought of like oh man this guy just can't hang with these other guys he just cannot because then you see that finish and you see susumu and doi just trading back and forth and you go yes this is what i wanted like why did that and and this match went 24 minutes too and like that that brother yashi stuff just lasted forever at the beginning too and i was like all right all right like i was prepared to like you said i was prepared to say oh this match sucks come on this is garbage and then it the last 10 minutes it just went it, it got nuts there with susumu doi and Kestor. so yeah i just it, i'm over the brother yashi thing and i'm glad they lost so it, it takes a lot of talent over. to bring it uh, Susumu and Kagatora down to a three and a half star match, which is what I get. <laughs> right. um, the, these are two guys that are fully capable of having match of the year candidates anytime they please. And Yashi really killed their momentum in this match. I'm glad Doi turned it around in the last half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, move on to the open the Triangle Gate Championship match. This is Yoshino, Tozawa, and T-Hawk versus Shima, Dragon Kid, Peter Kasa. America's Peter Kasa. You probably remember him if you've uh, followed Dragon Gate or you're an American independent wrestling fan. He's a big beefed up Scott Steiner looking guy that does sweet moves. So he's probably one of my favorites going right now just because and, and, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But I believe he's Japan's uh, <laughs> favorite right now. Uh, and they were against BB Hulk, KZ, and Flamita, uh, of course. W- what do you think of this match? Okay, so I, I love this match because a problem with the Triangle Gate Championship now is that it's, it's like a filler title. Um, and I mentioned this in my review, was that with the addition of Peter Casa 
Flamita in this match, you now had teams that were new and fresh and exciting. As much as I love the Jimmys, like Genki Horiguchi is one of my favorite wrestlers on earth, but I don't care if Genki Horiguchi is open the Triangle Gate champion or one-third of that team. Uh, with this match and with the three teams involved, I cared who won, and it wasn't a right-after-mission or right-before intermission match. This was the semi-main, and it felt a little bit more important. And so I loved this match. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, at underscore in your case, you're probably sick of me talking about Flamita now. But Flamita, straight up one of the best wrestlers in the world, and he killed it in this match. Yeah, I, I thought he—I I came in with him, Peter Casa. And then uh, kind of just everybody on that winning team of Yoshino uh, Tozawa and to an extent Tiok. Tiok wasn't fantastic in this match. I think he was probably he had one point where he like sold. I forgot what he did. Oh, Shima hit it like a did Shima hit a meteor on him and he just sold it like the dumbest way I've ever seen I, anybody. I believe sell. so. That sounds like something Tihawk would do. And I like Tihawk much more than you and Joe do. There's been a lot of Tihawk slander on this podcast. There has. Lately. I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> but of the nine guys in this match, there were eight guys more talented than Tihawk. Yeah, and that's so. Let's talk a little bit about the two guys that I thought really stood out, head and shoulders above everybody else, and that was Peter Costa and Flamita. Talk a little bit about Flamita and what he did in this match that just kind of wowed you. Because I think, yeah, if you don't come away going, "Oh my God, Flamita's awesome," I, I don't know what's wrong with you. The the one thing that I noticed was they were doing a big dive train as they always do, and you know, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez are big proponents of flying is going to kill their bodies and Dragon Gate's not going to be able to hold up. Uh, but one thing about Dragon Gate is when they do a dive, they dive onto 15 people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were yeah, probably cameras people catching them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing is, Flamita did a dive for the outside, and it was something insane that no normal human can do. And Flamita fell straight through the pile. No one caught him. He hit so hard on the ground, and I felt so bad. It's like maybe the one time in Dragon Gate that they all just had a Miz moment, and we're like, I'm going to let the other person catch up. And then the ground caught Flamita. Um, but in terms of Flamita's in-ring ability, he's doing stuff that's so innovative and so crisp. He doesn't make mistakes in the ring, and he's doing handsprings, and he's doing springboards. There is no one like Flamita in wrestling right now. I think when he's in there at his very best, he's as exciting as it gets. And this match was one of those where you just sit back and go, how is Flamita not the biggest thing in wrestling right now? Yeah, and, and this company is the perfect one for him because it's like, and I think it, what you said is a startling thing is that we talk always, you know, Joe and I will talk about it. I know you guys talk about it as well, is that Dragon Gate, because these guys have come up together and they train together and do all this sort of stuff, everyone's so smooth. Nobody misses spots. Everybody, you know, and yet Flamita is so much more smooth than everybody else in there. It's like, oh, my God, like, how can he do this? Like, who? how is it even possible that he is as smooth and as, like, the things he does and what he's able to do and how he's able to do it just – Everything just looks perfect when he does it. It's just it's it's amazingly perfect uh, of how he does stuff, how he flies, how he moves around in the ring. This is the perfect company for him. I hope he's here forever. You know what I mean? Like he, he I, looks like he's having so much fun in this company, and you, you've needed a search party to find him this year. But if you're watching Cara Lucha or DTU or these grimy Mexican promotions filmed <laughs> on probably these old VHS camcorders or AIW, who brought in Flamita for his first U.S. booking and killed it there with DJZ. Flamita's been amazing this year. You've just had you have to go out and find him, and now he's in Dragon Gate. So hopefully more people are going to realize, hey, this guy's great, and hopefully more people vote for him in uh, their top three for best flyer this year. Because right yeah. now, he's uh, he's my number two. I don't think in this year you can vote against Will Ospreay being number one, but any other year, Flamita would be at the top of my list. This year, he just happens to fall under Ospreay. 
Yeah, and one thing uh, I you know I love Will Osprey. Obviously, on this, we, we talked a ton about Osprey and how much we we enjoy his work. But I think he's kind of a he's a little bit more of a rugged high flyer in a way, which sounds weird because I'm sure people are oh he's not rugged what the hell he's you know but but like the way he flies it, it it's not like Flamita just it's so it's just so carefree when Felina flies. It's just like insane what he does. And I think the spot you were talking about when they were doing kind of the train of, of dives to the outside is that, you know, they, they reacted for everybody. And then Flamita, I forgot he did like, Oh, he did like a, a twisting plancha or something I, like that. I, I think, and I the, think he was going for like that twisting acai moonsault that he does. And, and oh, just that's happened to, okay. just happened to fall through the pack. Yeah. Which, but even then, like, the crowd just went nuts for it. Like, yeah. and, and they had just seen, you know, seven other guys do fly to the outside, but then Flamita does his thing and they're like, Oh my God. And then they just go nuts for it. Uh, on the flip side of that, we talk about a guy who's the most, maybe makes it look a little bit more rugged <laughs> the flying. <laughs> and that's Peter Casa who, you know, you don't think you, you look at the guy's body type and you go, okay, I know what this guy's going to be like. I know what he's going to wrestle like. And then he just blows your mind and does just incredible stuff. Dives over the top equally smooth, but in a way has like a, just so much more of a, a power to his flying. It's very interesting. I've never seen a guy like him. That's so powerful yet. So good at flying, but Peter Casa is that right. Yeah. So I saw Peter Casa for the first time in evolve. And I think he was in some Gabe scramble fray dream match. Um, and it was this big guy. <laughs> it had to be a dream match. You just know it had to be a first dream match. Everything's a dream, dream match. match. But I love it. it was, or a grudge match or a special attraction. <laughs> or, you know, I, love, I love Gabe. It was Gary J., Caleb Conley, and Peter Casa in a once-in-a-lifetime dream match in a Florida gym. Um, <laughs> no, but I saw Casa, and I was like, this dude is going to be like Atu from uh, the bad days of Evolve, like the guy that low-key knocked out that one time. And then Casa comes in and does a Sasuke special so much better. <laughs> than I've seen anyone else ever do a Sasuke special and I was like this guy is the best he's officially the best and he came over to Dragon Gate and he killed it he got over with the crowd especially in Cork and the crowd was hot for him here um, he's not graceful uh, when no. he, he does the, the move that Pac does that corkscrew shooting star press and when Pac does it it's like that's a cruiserweight doing a flippy move and then when Casa does it it's like that is a car falling on top of you he hits his opponent with so much force and it doesn't look like a fun move to take at all. Yeah, that, that's what I love about him is that he does those flips. But and that's why I said like the power flyer. It's like I've just never seen anybody like that because when he hits guys and they sell it that way too, they sell it like, oh my god, this bowling ball just like ran into like, and that's perfect. Like I think that's a gimmick that you can go so far with. Of course, a point's gonna come where he's not gonna be able to flip as much <laughs> as he is because like on that frame, I just don't see it. But right now, I mean, that guy's just an incredible you know, once in a lifetime athlete. And, and I know Shima loves him. I know Dragon Gate loves him. I'm hoping they just like rip. I don't know what they're going to do to keep him in this country. So he just never leaves, but they got to figure out something. Cause he's just got to stay in Dragon Gate forever. Like for life, he has to be there. Cause he's got the Scott Steiner tights too. Like just, he has to stay. Like yeah, he, he's, perfect he's for this so much fun in this company and seems like a fascinating human being. I want to get to know more about him. Cause he doesn't have social media that I'm aware of. Um, he's either got his sister or his wife, is vanity searching for him right now because I know every time I tweet Peter Casa, <laughs> so, uh, there's a, a someone that favorites it with the same last name. So I don't know who that is, but I've been saying nice things. So hopefully that person's not mad at me. Um, but yeah, I want Casa back. Um, after the match, uh, Shima said that Peter Casa is not involved with overgeneration. He's free to join whatever unit he wants. Um, I think he should be a Monster Express because they're missing a foreigner, and I think he would just fit in nicely with that group. But uh, wherever he goes, I want Peter Casa back in Dragon Gate. 
Yeah, and, and Shima did say uh, he can join anywhere he wants except for Berserk. He advises yes, against that. So, like, go wherever you want, but except for Berserk. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Those guys suck. So, uh, and an interesting part, too, is he got the pinfall over KZ in this one as well. I mean, he, his team didn't win. You know, Tozawa uh, pinned uh, Dragon Kid for uh, the, the finish. But uh, for him to get a pinfall over KZ, I think that's significant as well. We talk about another, you know, the wins and losses do matter here. Giving them a pinfall. I mean, that's how you know how much they love this guy. I was actually shocked that Monster Express won this match. Um, I don't know. I knew Casa was going back after this match because um, I saw his green card or whatever it was. I, I knew he was going back after this match, so I knew Over Generation wasn't going to win. I don't know when Flamita's going back to Mexico or when he's coming back to Japan for that matter, but I was expecting the uh, Tribe Vanguard team of Hulk, Casey, and Flamita to win uh, and for Monster Express to finally lose their Triangle Gate championships, but they went over. So that I thought that was interesting. Absolutely. All right, I'm looking at uh, what Jesse Casa. Is that yes. what you're talking about? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, I wonder here. She's, uh... Yeah, all she does is retweet good things about Peter Casa and then favorite them. Well, so yeah, I, I don't and, know. She's... And I feel bad because our friend Jules, who is a great person, um, has a, a slight issue with Peter Casa. And so at the, the Prime Zone tapings a few days before Kobe World, Kotoka took a move and it exploded his face. He's got like a broken orbital bone. And oh, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing the conversation right now. <laughs> and yep. um, I I think we think it was Casa that did it because in the match Casa pinned Kotoka with his his shooting star twisting thing. Um, and and I think what happened was that Casa landed on his face. And Jules, being Jules, if you know um, them, that that's a good thing in my mind. But I think Jules tweeted something along the lines of. We now must cancel Peter Casa, and if you if you take that out of context, that's got to be pretty tough to read. And so there was a a debate there that I think finally got yeah. cleaned up. Here, yeah, here, okay. So here's the conversation. I did find it, uh, and I do have information on who Jesse is. So uh, Joel says, "I'm sorry that the uh, I'm sorry to the person that who keeps name searching him, but if Peter Casa is going to land on people's faces and break them, I'm going to call him out." <laughs> uh, Jesse replied with, uh, "Kotaka was said to have been knocked out cold from the six one nine of that match," and Jules uh, in Pure Jules fashion says, holy shit, please stop nay searching him, whoever you might be. <laughs> Jesse replies, I'm Jesse, his brother. So oh, okay. It's his All right. Brother. I'm sorry. I thought Jesse was a yeah, more feminine so, name. That's my bad, Jesse Casa. Uh, just pointing out what others have said so you can stop talking shit about my brother. And then Jules, then it, then it became like just a, a crazy, like, I'm not calling him out. Your names are, you know, like just a thing like that. I, but, I uh, will say that would be the second time and I think two or three years at this point that Dragon Kid has exploded someone's face, if that's true. Because a few years ago in Kyoto, <laughs> um, uh, UT took a Savat kick to the face and it was just disgusting. The pictures that surfaced totally busted open. So uh, Dragon Kid working pretty stiff nowadays. Absolutely. So yeah, there's the mystery of Jesse Casa. So if you get uh, um, talk about uh, Peter Casa, you might you're, someone's looking, someone is watching, uh, and it's not Peter Casa because he I don't think cares because he would get social media if he cared. I, I feel like he lives in the mountains somewhere. Might he lives in Charleston, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, the uh, the home of Dylan Hales. Okay. Um, I I wanted to invite Peter Casa to my wedding because I got married in Charleston. He uh, did not accept it though. So. Um, <laughs> I honestly asked Dylan, I said, hey, do you have his contact information? Like, I wasn't going to actually invite him, but, like, maybe some of like, yeah. hey, Peter, what is the video? Because, like, he's probably not, like, how many people actually know who Peter Cotton is? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, you need to be, like, a really, like, he's starting to gain a little bit more publicity, but up until this point, how many people well, really, he like, showed up hardcore Peter Cotton yeah. fans? Yeah. yeah, like, he showed up in Evolve, and I'm normally good about knowing wrestlers. If you're on Evolve's radar, then I'm aware of you, and Peter Cotton showed up, I had no clue who he was. 
No, nobody really did. And that's why it was so shocking about how good he was. Because it was like, wait, how does somebody this good, like, not get found? <laughs> like, yeah. how is he just, like, doing what he does? It, it, it's incredible of, of where this guy came from and, and what he's capable of. You know, he's still, I think he, does he still not even have, like, a cage match profile? I thought I looked it up the I, other day. I um, like, come on. The last time I checked, he didn't. That's insane. Like, that's what I mean. Like, he's at that level where it's like, but he's so good. Like, how is it? Like, how does everybody not think this is the greatest wrestler in the history of the world? You know what I mean? Like, he's so good. And, like, he's just able to do so much. And he's just got, like, incredible athleticism. And, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, if he does ever get found out on a, on a bigger level, he is going to be just, he's going to be a big deal. Like, WWE, the second somebody sees him, the second William Regal gets a tape of him or something, he's going to, if he wants to, you know, if he if that's really what he wants to do, which I assume, you know, everybody kind of wants to do, maybe he wants to do Dragon Gate. I hope he wants to do Dragon Gate forever. But once somebody finds him out on a major company and once somebody realizes, oh my God, this guy's fantastic, he's going to get snatched up. And he's, I don't know if he's going to be a star, but man, you look at like, he's, he's, I think, Similar to like a Brian Cage, because people always bring up Brian Cage, but I think he's so much better than Brian oh, Cage. Do you agree? Yeah. It, like, he, 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 he wrestles circles around Brian Cage. Yep. I, he's, he's actually, he's very similar to UHA Nation, now Apollo Crews, when he first came right. over, and that there's definitely something there, and they have similar muscle mass, which is insane. Um, <laughs> and th- that's sort of the thing that I want to see now, is I want to see Casa come back to the States and work some more singles matches. Uh, because we've sort of seen in the scouting report when Cruz got signed was he's great at what he does, but he has never, you know, he had one great singles match with Yamato and then one great singles match with Hulk, but he's never been a truly great worker. And now I want to see Casa take that next step and become really well-rounded because what he's doing in Dragon Gate's incredible. I just want to see if he can bring the fire, bring that right. talent to evolve or wherever he works in South Carolina. Yeah, right now it's just kind of a fun little thing to kind of come in there, do some flips, do some you know big power spots here. But yeah, it'll be fun to see him as you said take that next step and that next level. Uh, anything else from Kobe World before we move on? Of course, uh, for people that did mention, definitely go to Voice of Wrestling and comment, check out your review. I think it was incredible. I know nothing but praise for it. Everybody loved it, and people really loved your, your review of the main event as well. Yeah, said. yes, Strga, uh, um, our yeah, that's yeah, yeah. cage match said something very nice that I. I think he's insane for the compliment he gave me, but thank you very much, Strigan. Yeah, I said it was one of the best match reviews he's ever uh, read. I, it's it's always great when people like Alan Coulihan um, or Striga <laughs> or whoever reads it uh, gives me praise, and I I felt I had to redeem myself because last year for Kobe World, um, I was up twenty three hours by the end of the show. I had traveled from <laughs> Kentucky to Indiana back home. Uh, from a baseball tournament, and I was like, I had just started writing for VOW. I was like, I'm gonna watch the show live and get my review into Rich immediately. And by the time the show was over, I was so tired and wrote the shittiest review. And so I needed to make make that up. And I I'm proud of the oh, review I wrote for Coke you absolutely 2016. Did. Yeah, and, and people are going to look at, and I think one of the things, we had mentioned that Kobe World is a great entrance to Dragon Gate, and you're going to look at, you know, wherever you find it, however you acquire this show, and I believe it, it's still up on Nico Nico, correct? Uh, it uh, should be. It. If, yeah, if you have so enough if you wanna, smiling points, go yeah, ahead Yes, so if you can acquire the smiling points necessary to watch it on Nico Nico, you can watch it on there, wherever you do watch it, but you're going to see the video, and it's going to look like it's five hours, and it's going to say it's five hours, or 4.45, and you're going to go, oh my god, but... Honestly, you can skip some of the pre-show stuff. Like they have, you know, Shima comes out there and talks. There's a lot of different parts here. The intermission, like you said, yeah, is super there's an intermission. Too. There's a promo battle. Uh, President Okamura gives a speech every year at intermission. You can skip that. The first three matches, including Shima's promo, actually took under an hour. This show flew by, so they gave enough yeah. time to the main matches. 
and those matches felt special. So the show did not drag at all, in my opinion. It didn't, yeah. So so you, if you initially get, and, and I'm one of those people that sometimes I will just skip to the, the, the money parts of, of big Dragon Gate shows because I look and I go, oh, five hours, no way, I'm not going to be able to do this. But this is one that I watch every single bit of those five. You know, I skip the intermission, skip the promo battle, skip that sort of stuff, and went right to the matches. When you do that, like, it will fly by for you. I just think a perfect card... Uh, if you're trying to get into Dragon Gate, and this is a good little entry point, or if you're a Dragon Gate fan, an absolute must-watch. Like, you just have to watch the show. Uh, every year I say that, but this year in particular, I thought it was just an all-around great show. Uh, highs were high, and I don't... Were there any lows? Like, that's the thing. Like, what is the worst match on this entire card? It, the, I, I would have a tough time saying, because even the, the Twin Gate match, it recovered so nicely with Doi coming right. to the rescue there. So, I, I mean, I don't think there was a bad match on this show. I rarely think there are bad matches in Dragon Gate. That's part of the reason I love the promotion so much, is that everything's so consistent, and you can't mm-hmm. really point to to a, a profile Dragon Gate match and go, oh, that was shit. It's just, that's not there if you like the style. So, I Absolutely. I'd go through this entire show if you have the time because that undercard blows by. Then you get to the, the title matches, and those all get just enough time. They don't overstay their welcome. There's pageantry, which you can skip if you're not into that. And it's it's a show of the year contender in my mind. Probably won't finish in my top three, but it's something I'll consider um, at the Absolutely. end of the year. Yeah, I'll actually put it there. And then, like, even the even the opening matches, like you said, maybe there's nothing that is of huge interest to you. But if you want, watch those and look for the young guys and go, oh, my God. You know, I, I'm always one of those fans of, like, getting out on the ground floor of younger wrestlers and going, OK, I, you know, I, I see this guy. I see what he's going to do and sort of following his progression. And this show, I think, was the perfect opportunity to see a lot of the old of Dragon Gate, a lot of the, you know, when I mentioned old, you know, in the sense of, like, a Yamato and Doi and those sort of guys of and a Jimmy Susumu and those guys that are, you know, not old in Dragon Gate years because they've been there forever, but, you know, established veterans of Dragon it you see them do their thing and see how great they are and then with this and the whole undercard you see just this amazing amount of young talent that's just here and ready to go and ready to take you know the next step and the next leap up so i just thought it was the perfect dragon gate show for anybody to watch whether you're a brand new fan a hardcore fan whatever absolutely have to watch kobe world one or another i think it's a required viewing for this year i don't think you can 2016 cannot end without you watching kobe world so completely agree all right, so let's move on to the G1. We'll stick with Japan here. Um, Case, before we kind of break down, we want to do a little bit of a weekend preview. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the current standings. I'll record this on a Friday, so if you're listening, maybe you've seen the show that's going on uh, ne- uh, tomorrow morning. Um, so if you're wondering, hey, you guys are wrong with all these numbers, that's not right. That's why uh, we're recording this on Friday night at 8 p.m., so there you go. Which, by the way, yes, we have nothing better to do on Friday nights. But sit here and <laughs> Rich I have nothing better to do than talk to you. Yeah, Rich yeah. is like, are you open on Friday night? Of course I'm open on Friday night. Dumb question. Rich. I'm open too. Like I should probably, I mean, the nurse is at work, like you would think, and I came home and I was like, well, I'm either going to play video games or record a podcast. I, so I, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to watch more Torimon because I just, <laughs> nice. Uh, someone is sending me a bunch of Torimon stuff because they are a saint. Um, and so that's it, it, like, uh, I'm not going to go talk to a girl. Are you kidding me? I've got Shima matches to watch. No, yeah, it's Friday. That's prime Shima time. <laughs> so that's, there we go. So, uh, yeah, before, um, I just want to mention that we are recording this on Friday at eight. So if you're wondering, Oh my God, the show happened, then you guys are wrong and you're previewing it or whatever that, that, that is why. So for the people that are going to be listening there, but, uh, in case before we get into kind of the standings and what's coming up this weekend, what are your thoughts on this G1 so far? Cause I've heard a lot of mixed stuff from people. You know, I, I tweeted out a little bit earlier. I said, describe this year in, in, in one word and i had a range of stuff i had a lot of people that said i enjoy you know enjoyed awesome great you know fantastic then i had a lot of meh you know kind of disappointing underwhelming it, it, it's just been a weird year for Drang- uh, uh, uh the g1 climax and i actually I, I did a twitter poll too um earlier this week 
you know, I ask people, are you enjoying this year's less than last year, more than last year, or about the same? And less than last year won by an overwhelming margin. Very few, I think 10% of like, I think the 200 people that voted said they liked it more than last year. And, and, and people preface that by saying, you know, I don't mean that like it's been bad. I just don't like it as much as last year. But are you kind of getting the same thought? There just seems to be a malaise around this year's G1. It, it, it's fine. It's okay. But it's like, it's just not reaching the levels of the past three years. Yeah, I was, I was one of the people that at, uh, voted I liked it less. Less than last year's. Um, I don't know if that comes from a talent uh, thing because yes, they lost AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, um, but you have um, Shibata, uh, you have Katsuhika Nakajima, Nagata, Hanma. All these guys are killing it. And you've got a Tenzan who's motivated and somehow not broken at this point. Um, so the, the talent is they're working hard, but there's. It doesn't feel like the G1, if that makes sense. I don't. Think yeah, the, something's missing. The, the crowds aren't as hot. I was really surprised watching those two Cork and Hall shows. I was like, that's not that's not a G1 Cork and crowd. That it felt like like a bad Wrestle One crowd almost. Because I mean, and especially in that second show, you had Nakajima and Shibata and Naito and Elgin, which was one of my favorite matches of the tournament so far. Mm-hmm. And they were into it, but it wasn't the way that I wanted them to be into it. If that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah, and I think your 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 little point about the the talent is is because I agree. This is talent wise, this is a very good. I mean, we talked about it when we previewed the, the, this G one, and everybody sort of said is that yes, like on a pure talent level, yes, you lose AJ Styles, you lose Nakamura, or whatever, but you replace him with you know a Kenny Omega who's capable of having great matches. You add Tenzan who's a motivated Tenzan. Sonata has been great. Like you really, when you go through and you look at the guys who filled in and the new guys this year, save for maybe Tamatonga. Everybody else has been great. Like Yoshihashi's been good. Evil's been good. Nakajima's been good. Marafuji's been good. Sonata's been awesome. Omega's been, you know, not too bad. Uh, Tenzan is extra motivated. It's just like you you look at this and you go, okay, like this should be great. This should be in ring great. But I, it must just be a star power thing. And I think you might have something to that is just that. People are seeing these great matches, and yes, it's great that you know uh, Amir Fuji and, and and whoever is having a good match. But if they're just not attached on that level to the 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 crowd to, to those wrestlers, and the crowd just seems a little, I, I I don't know. I'm right with you though that the crowds just don't seem very much into it, and it seems like in general fans don't seem that much into it. And I'm I'm doing it from my aspect of you know fans, as in people that follow us on Voice of Wrestling, people that go to the forums, people that participate in these pickums. Just in general, it just seems like people aren't into this one as much. Like yes. The in-ring work is fine. It's good. Maybe it's not great. Maybe there's only been a few great, great matches. But there just seems to be something missing about that aura that the G1 had the past three years where it was like every night was just like awesome dream, incredible, oh my god, I can't believe these two guys are facing each other match. And this year it's not that. It just seems like it's a big tournament of New Japan guys. It, it's. Uh, I, I think there are there are two things maybe contributing to the Western audience not enjoying it as much. One on the on the first night last year, you had Tanahashi and Ibushi have an insane match, and that was like, oh my gosh, the G ones here again. They're going to do it again. And two, to me, the MVP of the tournament so far has been Naomichi Marafuji, uh, one half the GHC Heavyweight Tag yeah. Team Champions. And there are people in our bubble. And I I don't know how it is with the casual Western New Japan fan base, because that's, I mean, that's a, that's a thing now. The people that buy the Bullet Club shirts and enjoy them and are happy to see the stars come into Ring of Honor and squash their talent, that that's a, a <laughs> section that exists now. Um, I don't know how they think of Marafuji, because they would have seen him at Wrestle Kingdom 9, because he was there and he teamed with uh, TMDK, and that was like their introduction, but I don't know how many people remember that, and I don't know how outside of our bubble of extreme hardcore New Japan fans, how they feel about Marafuji, but in our bubble, there are people that will fight themselves 
to to not give Marafuji a compliment or the credit that he he deserves because he's killed it every night with Ishii and with Okada, which is my favorite match of the tournament so far. Marafuji's been on fire, but it's like that's the best guy, and people don't want to talk about it. It's very conflicting to some. They're like, I I hate this guy, but you know, I I if if I say he's bad, then people are going to disagree with me. So I think yeah. there's there's a begrudging aspect of this tournament this year. And I think maybe a part of it might be, and we'll break down the standings here a little bit. It might be that the way the standings are falling, you have a lot of weird upsets, a lot of weird wins. Like people, it, it, it's and again, like it's going to regulate. And of course, like we're going to talk about, Togi Makabe is not winning the A block. Like I, I think I'm pretty safe in saying <laughs> that Togi Makabe is not winning the A block. But like he is right, he's leading it right now with eight. Like he's he's two points above Okada. So there might be that weird thing where people are kind of like, ah, you know, it's kind of weird because these guys are winning and there's all these upsets or whatever. And maybe it'll be these the last few days, the last five or six days or whatever. People will finally get back into it and go okay cool because the big guys are winning the big stars are winning and maybe maybe that'll be it or it just could be a thing where like the g1 for the past three years has just been and we mentioned it every single time every time it was coming up the g1 we would say okay there is no way and we would warn them on the show we would warn them in our previews and our reviews okay last year's g1 was fantastic there is no way they can follow it up this year and they did it for three straight years they followed up each and every time for three straight years and that's just not sustainable. Like, it's just, I, I don't know how you could do it. Because this has not been a bad tournament. I've enjoyed this tournament yeah. a lot. I've enjoyed a lot of the stories. I've enjoyed a lot of the, the kind of the micro stories going on. I've enjoyed a lot of the new blood and stuff. But it's just like at the end of the day, I watch these shows and it's just like, that's not great. It's not the G1. Like, if it was called anything else, if they called this tournament whatever and it was in March, if this was the New Japan Cup or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, we'd oh. be raving about it. But yeah, it's it, G1, it's so we're like, ah, oh, man. Like, Cup. I mean, it's, it's the best New Japan Cup in years. Right. So that that I think that's got to be playing a part in it is is just the expectations, of course, and then I think it's also just the weirdness of of how the blocks have played out uh, so far, and they haven't been particularly exciting guys. Like I know last year, you know, you had Shelton Benjamin running out to a quick lead, and people were, or maybe that was two years ago that, that Benjamin was doing. It. I forgot exactly what, but um, well, there was one year with David Boy Smith too, where like these guys ran out to these quick leads, but they had like really awesome, fun matches. And I think maybe this year, because you have on the A block, you have Makabe running out to a big lead at, at A points, and then Nagata on the B block running out to a big lead. That these guys aren't the most exciting guys to be, you know having these star runs for here a little bit or these surprising runs. So that might be playing a part in it. I don't know exactly, but let's go over the standings here a little bit. And then we'll kind of talk about each of these guys a little bit in, in terms of what we thought of their G1 before we uh, preview what's going up this weekend. Uh, as I mentioned, a block led right now by Togi Makabe with eight points, uh, Kazuchika Okada with six. And then Marafuji, as you mentioned, the MVP of the tournament at four, uh, Hiroki Goto at four, Tenzan at four, Sonata at four, Ishii at four, bad luck Fale at two, Tamatonga at two. And then maybe the most surprising, but uh, kind of working into the story and it'll be pretty Pretty fun to see how it gets fleshed out. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi also um, at two points near uh, right at the bottom of the A block. Uh, what have been your big thoughts about the A block? Maybe I'll start with Makabe. Any any sort of strong thoughts about Makabe's tournament so far? I, I don't know, and and I actually I'd like people if they're listening to this to to try to give me an answer on this on Twitter. I don't know if there's ever been a bigger disconnect between the Western fan base and the Japanese fan base than there is with Makabe. Because uh, right now, I mean, he is just dead in the water to the Western fans. I mean, I don't care about Makabe, and I like him more than most people. Uh, but in Japan, he's considered a, a top-tier star. He's he's with the Tanahashis of the world in terms of star power. Maybe not quality of in-ring, but of star power, he's there. So him leaving the top of the block for me, it just kills all my interest in the A block in, in a block that has wrestlers that I love. So it's I, I don't like Makabe being atop the block right now. 
Yeah, I'm right with you. In my preview, I said, oh, he's a complete afterthought. He'll be lucky to get four points. And that's what's not. I look like a complete idiot. And again, it's like you said, that the disconnect is incredible with him. I, I would say maybe Nagata, but Western fans like Nagata and respect him. And, and, and you know, you know, the native fans, you know, of course, think he's a god, a, a legend in New Japan. But Makabe is like a guy that every Western fan just doesn't see the appeal, doesn't care, doesn't understand it. And they love him over there in Japan. And it's a testament here. Uh, Okada at six points. I've really enjoyed his tournament so far. I thought he, if not, yeah, I think he might be, if, if not for Marufuji, I would probably say Okada is the MVP, but there's that Marufuji guy right below him in this block, and I think Marufuji's just had incredible matches. I, I loved, of course, that opening night one against Okada, and I like, I really, really liked uh, him versus Tenzan from uh, Blanket on the Night, night four, I believe. I reviewed the show, and I can't yeah, remember. The, 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 the nights have already blended together for me. Yeah, like, I, I honestly... Like, and, and I'm normally pretty good with seven that stuff, but I have yeah, I, no clue now. I reviewed it. I, I, I reviewed it for the site, and honestly, if you if you help me at gunpoint, I, there was no... I, I think it's four... I don't know, maybe it's five. I, whatever. Marifuji and Tenzan face each other, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that match a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on Goto? He's a guy that I wanted to mention at four points right now. He's been in some featured matches, and it's been kind of divisive. Like, I didn't like the Goto-Okada match, but a lot of people really did. What did you think of that one? Yeah, didn't like the Goto-Okada match. Um, and then the show I reviewed, which was the latest show, and that had Ishii and Marifuji, I, I sort of took a jab at Goto um, we sort of forgot that he was directionless because he joined Chaos and then was immediately hidden in those great uh, Ingovernabilis Chaos tags. And so there he was fitting because he did his stuff with Evil. And now that that's over and he's just back to Hiroki Goto, the guy who just happens to wear red pants now, I have no reason to care about Goto and I haven't been impressed with his performances so far. Uh, Tenzan, of course. Huge story. I mean, the best story of this G1, no doubt, one that everyone's looking at. What have you thought of his performances? Because oh, so, I've loved him. I, I think I'm in love so. with Tenzan. I think the match on night one with Ishii is one of my favorite matches of the tournament so far. He doesn't have anything else for me so far that's registered over four stars, but he's been entertaining every night. I, I'm going out of my way to watch Tenzan matches, even if I'm not watching every match on the show. Mm-hmm. And and just the emotion surrounding every match that he's in, and every crowd is kind of seeing him in a G1 for the last time. So there's always just something there, and you have Kojima as his second that's screwing him on and yelling and everything. It's just, it, it's great. Like, you cannot skip tens on matches. It, it's great. And You're going to have to watch. For the yeah. most part, he he's performing really well. I think once we get to August um, 8th or 9th or whenever, <laughs> yeah. fall, and he's being held on by a thread and the magic of the New Japan Doctors, I think it'll be interesting to see how his performance varies. But as of right now, I think we're at 8 shows into the tournament i think the eighth's coming up uh tenzan looks great so more power to him absolutely uh tomohiro ishii has mentioned uh he's at four points having a great tournament as you know tomohiro ishii is, is want to do uh he's not gonna win he's not gonna probably be at the top of the block but man he is just uh, the glue that keeps new japan together man ishii he can just do is, everything against anybody <laughs> ishii's on a run and i think our friend alan has has sort of become the leader of this bandwagon um of ishii's on now a four-year run really starting with the 2013 g1 of just uh, performances in the G1 and out of the G1 that have made him an all-time great wrestler. And he was great before then, but wasn't featured. But think of the work he's put on really since that Shibata match in Osaka um, in 2013. That was like a turning point. And now Ishii's doing stuff with Tenzan. He just had the Marafuji match. Tomohiro Ishii is becoming at least for New Japan, an all-time great New Japan pro wrestling wrestler. And uh, I represent him very well on my greatest wrestler ever ballot earlier this year. I know Alan represented him even better. Tomohiro Ishii has put on a run that is historically incredible. Um, then you have Bad Luck Folly, Tamatonga, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. You did skip Sonata. Do you wanna, you I know. did skip Sonata. Yeah, sorry about that, Mr. Sonata. At four, he is at a. I, I've liked him. I thought he's been really good. He's, he's acclimated himself well. 
Uh, and Joe and I talked about this last week uh, when we were talking about Sonata, is that you saw in that preview of that, that Sonata-Tanahashi um, match that this guy, when they when they want to make the call to have him go to the main event, he is absolutely ready. And I think he's just he, he's had a very good tournament. I don't know if he's he's going to reach what he did you know, against Tanahashi again, but it's been a solid tournament all around for him. Yeah, Sonata, um, I'm really impressed. Uh, partially attracted to him. I think he's a very handsome man. Uh, he's very Rigo, handsome. He's, he's very, very good. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, Fale, Tonga, and Tanahashi. Uh, Fale, I, I've enjoyed Fale's output this tournament. Now, he's a guy that I don't usually enjoy all that much. I don't quite get it. Like he's not he he doesn't he doesn't do the power wrestler thing for me enough, which I want him to do. I want him to be a big monster that just clubs people. And this tournament, I think this is the best Fale has ever looked. And this this run that he's had, I don't know if people agree with me. I don't know if I'm on island on my own, but I've enjoyed his his work throughout this G1. I thought he's been really really good. He, he hasn't had a a bad Fale match, which is important to me. Um, I don't think he's been great. I thought the Tanahashi match was just okay. Um, and he'll face Okada later on in the tournament. That's his chance to really shine, yeah. in my opinion. But he's been okay so far. And for him, that's a win. Uh, Tanahashi, what have been your thoughts on him so far this tournament? I I like the booking. I think it's... It's gotten to a point where Gato's booking, especially the G1, is like we've seen it. And especially after, for me, a Dragon Gate fan, watching King of Gate and seeing the way that that tournament was handled this year compared to the G1, I'm a little tentative to get all on board on Tanahashi's bandwagon because I don't think he's going to lose a match from here on out or maybe maybe he'll lose one. But he's beating Okada that last night in Sumo Hall to go to the finals. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Um, I think losing to Tamatonga was an interesting booking choice. Um, not sure if I can defend that, really. I think <laughs> it's like, and I and I like Tonga, but th- that's, I mean, I'm trying to think of a WWE example. I mean, that's John Cena losing to, shit. Uh, like, that, that's like John Cena losing like a Zack Ryder on a Raw. Yeah, it just, it, it doesn't like, because I, I enjoy the, the story, as you said, has been fun. It's, you know, it's him coming back from injury and he's just a step slow and he's, he's, but him losing to Tonga just seemed like it sort of took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, like it, it, was, it was a stunning okay, thing, but it was like, it's so unrealistic. Yeah. Right. It's just, it, you don't have that feeling because when he loses the guys that are, you know, relatively near his level, you can just see, ah, damn, like Tanahashi just doesn't have it. And yeah, you can kind of lose yourself in that story. But losing to Tonga, you, I, I just couldn't lose myself in that story because I was just like, all right, like they're doing the, you know, he's at the bottom and this is like the absolute nadir of, nadir of his, his G1 run. And now he'll start, you know, working his way back up and working his way back up. It's just like, it's hard to really get invested in that story because you know how it's going to play out. You know that that's sort of the, it, to me, I don't know. I, I didn't like that. And, you know, this the story of the guy coming from behind and winning like yeah i, I enjoy that it, it, it's fun at a, at a point but we just saw that with osprey you know during best of the super juniors is the exact same story of course it wasn't you know coming back from injury and it's not a guy of, of tanahashi's level but that was the same thing where osprey was way down there and then just didn't lose on the way out and then just went all the way to the finals after not you know a complete run of just never losing never losing never losing and that same story is probably going to play out with tanahashi it's just i don't know it's just not very I, I, there's just something about it that's not clicking with me. His in-ring performances have been great, but I'm having trouble really getting lost in that story uh, of Tanahashi making his miraculous comeback. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he, he's Hiroshi Tanahashi, which means he's one of the best wrestlers to ever do it. So he's going to deliver. He delivered with Sanat on the first night. Um, I have no doubt that he'll deliver against Ishii and that he'll deliver against Marafuji and Okada and maybe even Goto. Um but now it's like, okay, now he's got to start winning. And lo- losing a Tonga just, it sucked something out of me. Because that, that was a pro wrestling angle now. And I know that sounds dumb now that I just said it. But it's like, he, he shouldn't have lost a Tonga. Let him lose to Ishii or let him lose to someone a little higher on the totem pole. 
um, to not totally suck my investment out of it. Yeah, I'm right with you. And then uh, Tamatonga, I think he's been absolutely terrible this tournament. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like he, he looked okay against Okada. I mean, he's turned it around. I thought the first night, I think he wrestled Goto on the first night. Maybe. He did, yeah, that one. Uh, that, was that he, was, was, he or it was either Goto or Makabe. That match yeah, was atrocious. Uh, but hey, he's he's turned it around. I'm certainly disappointed that we're getting 2016 Tong and the G1 and not 2015. Yeah, he's G1. just okay. You know, he's just fine. And it's like, man, like this is a spot where that guy, like if he was just killing it and having these just great matches, I think this whole A block would just be completely different. Because yeah. I mean, it, you would look at another guy in there and you go, oh my God, this A block is just loaded with talent. But you see him on the lineup and you go, ah, man. Well, and like, I, yeah, I mean, M- Makabe is Makabe. So he's he's... Not going to embarrass himself, but he might not deliver every night. But you've got Tenzan and Fala, who are normally really wink links in this in this tournament, and they're doing their best to keep up. And that leaves Tonga at the bottom, and he's a clear outlier in performance. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll move on to the B block here. you got Yuji Nagata at the top at six. He's had a solid tournament, kind of just a Yuji Nagata tournament. Uh, he's going to be a guy that, of course, he'll kind of fall to the back here in a little bit. But uh, I've enjoyed his output so far. I don't know. I don't have any strong thoughts about uh, Nagata in this tournament so far. You? I feel like he had a match that I really liked, but I'm already at that point in the G1 where everything's just sort of blending together, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to find that match now. Uh, but Nagata's been fine. I really like Nagata. Um, he's someone that's always going to deliver for me. I enjoy his charisma. I enjoy what he does. Um, and the match that I really liked was him and Evil and Cork and Hall. Um, and I liked him and Naito also. Uh, yeah, I, like, I, I, I saw I, matches, he, but yeah, he fought uh, Yoshihashi and. Five, right or night night I, i'm again i'm sorry i don't know the night okay well rich i'll make this easier b block is even numbers a block is odd numbers. So <laughs> that'll six help, that he that'll help me a lot in the future yes that i enjoyed that match a lot so that that there we go thank you for uh for clearing that up uh hanma at four points nakajima at four naito at four omega at four let's uh we'll start with hanma uh, what do you think about Hanma? I think this might be another reason why people are not as invested in the G1. Yes, is, yes. And, and Joe and I talked about it, and we screamed into the high heavens that everybody was, oh, when is Hanma going to win? When is Hanma going to win? The second Hanma wins, he's just the guy now. And now he's in this tournament as just the guy, and he's having good performances, but he's just the guy in the tournament, man. It's like his matches used to be so fun because that you wanted to be there for that moment when Hanma won, or you wanted to be there to see the crowd go nuts for his win, and now he's in there, and it's just Hanma doing his thing. Like it's just he's just a wrestler now. Which, which to be fair, I think he won at the right point. He, I think he had to win eventually, and I think they waited as long as they could, and they pulled the trigger at the right time. But now he's in that just a guy stage. I liked his match with Shibata Cork, and I think more than most people actually. But I nowhere near the investment that I've had in Hanma the past two years. He's he's now just a guy who does headbutts, and I like him, and I like Hanma. But he he's lost that special G1 aura to him. Right. It's not must-see. I mean, you can honestly, like, you can be justified in maybe skipping a, a Hanma match. And that was, uh, you couldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, could uh, Shel- Shelton prior Benjamin years. versus yeah. Hanma was must-watch a few <laughs> Right, yeah, like, that's insane. Like, But it was true. It, it absolutely happened. Uh, Nakajima at four points. I've really loved his tournament. You know, he's not really, he, he's not doing anything, like, out of this world fantastic. He's just being a solid pro wrestler. He's just a guy that, exactly what we thought Nakajima was going to be in this tournament. But I think he's just been a great linchpin for this entire thing. So Nakajima, and, and I'm going to sound like a bad sport here. I gave his match with Shibata and Cork and Hall uh, three and three quarter stars, and I was still disappointed. I, I came in with an unrealistic expectation because it's Shibata and it's Nakajima, and Nakajima's on the biggest stage of his career. He's in the G1. He's going to kill it. And they had a very good match, 
but it was just a very good match. And I was expecting greatness. I think he recovered with the evil match a few nights later. Mm-hmm. But I'm just a little down on Nakajima, and that's probably my own fault. I've probably set these expectations that are just absurd for Nakajima because I, I love him. And I think, you know, for, for 11 years now, he's been an outstanding wrestler. It's just been a matter of him getting opportunities and not being bored with and stagnant with where he's at. Now he's getting an opportunity and I want him to hit that next level, and he's just not doing it for me right now. He's been very good, but I want better from Nakajima. Maybe I can that's, see that. Maybe you, you that's want... unfair of me. Yeah, it, it, it probably is, but I, I see that. I mean, it's G1, so you kind of assumed, hey, Nakajima's great. G1's G1. Okay, this is going to be great. And he's, he, like I said, he's been solid, and it's almost like disappointingly solid because it's just been fine. I mean, he's been, he's been really, really good, but it's just like you, I, I see what you're saying, like that Nakajima Shibata match should have been like an all-time great that we're talking about forever, and it, it's, it's just not. It's just a match that we kind of got done. I don't know what's going on outside, but we'll, uh, we'll work through it. Here. Is, that a, is it a dog, or is that a Illinois possible shooting? Uh, no, that is just a dog. Okay, right. I'm, in, I'm in. I'm in the sub. I'm farther in the sub. <laughs> That's right. Crate is so. in the, the nice part of uh, Illinois. Yeah, what do we got going on here? All right. I don't know. Probably a rabbit or something. God only knows. All right. Okay. Tetsuya Naito. Maybe I can close the door, but then he's gonna scratch at the door. Okay. He'll he'll bark it out here in a sec. Okay. Tetsuya Naito. What do you think of his performances so far? Uh, his match was. with Michael Elgin um, is my second favorite match of the tournament so far, and that was like that was the G1 match that I've been waiting for because Elgin's yeah. been. Elgin's so awesome in New Japan. I love him. I love that he loves being there also. That helped me. And Naito's red hot, and I've loved his character. And it was like, that's what I've been waiting for. Those two guys went out there and killed it. Love that match. Um, I didn't watch the Yano match just because there's only so much time. Oh, hey? do, do not. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Trust me. And, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get to that guy here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you're good on not watching that one. Um, just a shame. Because you can't, you can't throw away Naito matches. Come on, man. Like, it's, uh, uh, yeah, Toriano. We will get to him. Um, and I like the Nagata match. Um, so I, I'm excited for Naito. Um, I think he's got some good matches coming up. And t- to me, he's probably been, uh, besides maybe one guy who we'll talk about in just a second, he's been my, my MVP of the B block. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kenny Omega, thoughts on, on his tournament so far? He's at four points. I'm a little dis- – I won't lie. I'm a little disappointed on Kenny Omega's output so far. I uh, I got a scramble on cage match here because I can't even think of what Kenny Omega's done so far. That And that will tell you all you need to know yep. is that nothing has stood out. And that's a guy who – he got entered to this tournament. I went, okay. This guy's ready to go. He's a, he's finally the heavyweight again. He's in a big spot. Like he's he's you know I I thought that hey they could maybe go. I mean he might even go to the finals. Like this is a guy who perfect from the B block. You know he can upset Naito and and do all this stuff. And maybe that's still gonna happen. I don't know. But you're just not seeing any fire out of this guy. It's okay, just well, like pe- people are gonna kill me because the match that I couldn't think of was him versus Yoshihashi, which I actually loved. Um, that was in Corkin. That was night two. And I thought yeah that okay was all right yeah but. I didn't love that match because of Omega. I loved it because Yoshihashi had the performance right, of his career. Right. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, Omega has not been like he's been the like in all the good matches that he's had. And he's had a few decent ones throughout this G one. But like you're saying, that Yoshihashi match is a perfect example. In that match, Yoshihashi was the better guy, and it's like I, Kenny. Like, come on, man. Like, this is a guy who at the at the beginning of the year, it's like the sky was the limit for this guy, and now it's just. I don't know, and it, it, I, I'm unfortunately getting like very weird thoughts of like exactly the last year with Kotobushi, where we were all wondering what's up with Kotobushi? Why is Kota not winning? Why is he not having great matches? And then you know he never went to G- you know he never got back to New, New Japan. I think he wrestled one more time, and then he was out, and then he was doing whatever Kotobushi does, and it was like all right, well that was the end of that. But we looked at that last year, and we're like, well, what the hell is going on with Kotobushi? Why is nothing happening here? Like this is this is supposed to be a, a year for Kotobushi. I'm getting that same thing with Kenny Omega because this is a guy who's on top of the world after that Styles thing. I'm 
top of the world after Wrestle Kingdom. And now, you know, we're talking in, in, in July, the end of July, and it's just like he's, again, just a guy in this tournament. And Omega cannot be just a guy in this tournament. He's got to be high level. And I think that's another reason why you look at this disappointing tournament. Here's a guy who should be filling in here and just having incredible, awesome matches, and he's just, he's just not. And that's, it's disappointing. I can see how Kenny Omega would be unhappy in New Japan, um, especially with the way the Nakamura situation went down because he had that hot angle. And then instead of doing uh, Nakamura versus Omega um, in Corkin on Nakamura's last show, they did the tag match instead. Uh, but Kenny Omega in New Japan as a whole, since he signed full-time, became the cleaner, to me has been such a disappointment. Omega someone that I love his work in PWG, or I, I love prime PWG Kenny Omega when he was wrestling Davey and Roddy and was having all those great matches. Um, love him in DDT as a single and tag guy. I think his run as an All Japan Junior Heavyweight Champion is one of my favorite title runs of recent vintage. I think that run's yeah. awesome. Hump those matches down, especially the match with Shuji Kondo if you haven't seen those. But Omega New Japan, since he signed full-time, has just been boring and it's like something's missing there and for a while it was he was stuck with Taguchi and he was doing too much shtick and then he got free of that and it's like he's now he's with the Young Bucks who are too tongue-in-cheek and I never thought the Young Bucks would wear out their welcome on me but now I'm like go go to full stop. They, they absolutely have. I, yeah. I'm, I'm now tired of the Young Bucks and Omega as the elite trio um, and Omega's really disappointed me here because if Kenny Omega I believe if he wanted to have great matches he could but but it, it's like there's something missing there with him in New Japan, and it's really disappointing. And for two years now, it's been like, when's Omega going to turn it on? When's he going to have that great Kenny Omega match? And it's it hasn't happened. Yeah, and if it'd be a completely different story if he was a guy that we didn't know was all like if we didn't know about those runs, like you mentioned, his, what he did in DT, what he did in PWG, what he did in All Japan, like then we would okay, whatever. Like if it was just Ring of Honor Kenny Omega, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all we saw was Ring of Honor Kenny Omega, and then New Japan signed him, we would probably be like, all right, well this guy's kind of working his way. But we know how great he is. We know he can just be incredible. We know what he's capable of, and it's just like he hasn't flipped that switch for some reason. He's flipped it a few times in New Japan, but it's like, did you, come on, man, like this is the time to do it, and it might happen. I don't know. We might see it, but. It's, it hasn't happened yet, and that's definitely a disappointment. Uh, we'll go with the guys who have two now. Um, Evil, Yoshihashi, Shibata, and Michael Elgin. I'll start with Evil. I thought Evil's been awesome this tournament. I think he's, you know, not having, you know, match of the year contender level matches, but a guy who's really just starting to understand his character, understand what he needs to do, and, and he's been one of the standouts for me. Again, not having match of the year level stuff, but really just having solid matches and getting that character over to a, to a perfect level. Evil's awesome, period. I think people should jump on his bandwagon. Um, he he turned the corner for me right before the end of his excursion. We were actually both at that ROA show where he wrestled Michael Elgin and just had a match that was just so awesome. Um, and since he's come back to Japan, I think Evil's had an awesome year. I liked his match with Big Mike and Corkin. I liked his match with Yuji Nagata. And I thought his match with Nakajima was okay. So Evil, somewhere for me, I think he's going to deliver at least once. Uh, in a big way. Maybe it's that Naito match. Maybe that's when he really comes out of his shell and delivers huge. Uh, but Evil's been good. He's someone that I haven't skipped yet because I, I like seeing what he's going to do. Uh, Yoshihashi, what are your thoughts on him so far? I, I've really enjoyed everything he's done, and, and that's that's a guy who I he was go away heat for me for years <laughs> before the Rich a few months ago. Yoshihashi yeah. feud was unreal. The slander that Tacos was receiving on this podcast, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't bear it. And I'm glad he shut you up in the G1. He had that insane match with Kenny Omega, which I love. But as we said, that was the Yoshihashi show. That was a match where he was better than Omega. Um, I thought the Hanma match and the Nagata match 
matches were just okay, but he's got one of my favorite matches of the tournament so far with Omega. So more power to Tacos. Happy for him. Yeah. Yeah, he's been incredible. Uh, Shibata, thoughts on him? I think a guy, is he your MVP of the B block so far? Yeah, I um, I loved the Shibata-Michael Elgin match, actually. Um, I'm surprised that didn't get more buzz because those two just beat the tar out of each other. I thought that was That's, pretty uh, unique. You know, that, that you bring up a good point. That is a match that it, I think like last year people go nuts for yes. or the year before people go insane for. And this year it was like, you know, hardcore people were like, hey, this is really good. You guys should watch it. And like nobody, like you're not hearing anything about it. That was incredible. Like that any other year would have gotten like an incredible hype. But it's just kind of a match on the calendar now, which is just weird. Like... Maybe it was the fact that they were in uh, Nagono Big Hat, um, one of my <laughs> favorite things in Japan. Though, big Mike and Big Hat. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Um, and we talked about the Nakajima match earlier, which I liked, and I liked the Honda match. So, yeah, Shibata for me. And Shibata is someone that I've always been a little behind people on. People are like, this guy needs to be pushed in the middle. Like, nah, he's fine where he's at. I like Shibata being frustrated. But now he's won me over, and now I want to see him do great things. He's having a great in-ring tournament. Uh, so I'm happy for him. Uh, Michael Elgin, you mentioned again, a guy who's just just – fits so well in modern new Japan. Just a guy that you can tell just we saw his ring of honor. We saw that he was obviously just bored by ring of honor, bored by American wrestling. He's a guy who's just completely remotivated uh, in new Japan. And this is going, going on two years now. I mean, it was last year where we were all groaning at the very fact that he was going to be in the G one. And now two years later, the guy just fits like a glove in G one or in new Japan. And I hope he stays forever. Just, rich, just perfect. Rich, for this maybe tournament. you right, were yeah. groaning. Maybe you were groaning, but I Joe was not. Lanza. I mean, I, I'm talking about the general public here. I, I've always enjoyed I was going to say, Joe Lance and I were beating that big bike bandwagon, <laughs> and I knew he was going to kill it, and he's been so great for the year he's been in New Japan now. I'm happy for him because I know he loves it over there. Um, the Naito match is my second favorite match of the tournament so far. I like the Evil match, and I, and I like the Shibata match. So I hope Big Mike does well. I love him i just i love him in new japan i i enjoy seeing him on those shows and i enjoy seeing crowds really reacting to him like he's one of their own now yeah and i think that's the thing that that's always struck me about him is that's a guy who almost from the moment he walked in new japan they accepted him and they loved him and it wasn't just a oh my god this guy you know big gaijin guy oh yay like they legitimately like this guy they legitimately think he's he's great they they like everything about him and and you can tell that makes him happy you know he was always always been kind of a surly guy around american audiences like i saw him come back uh around december i believe it was uh in AEW, and him and juice robinson had a match (laughs) match. (laughs) yeah and it's it just wasn't very good, and the crowd didn't really care because they were in line for, like, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix autographs. And, like, Elgin got on the mic and was like, ah, oh, we bust our ass and you guys don't even care. And, like, you could just tell, like, he was just like, fuck this. Like, I hate this. I'm going back to Japan. And, like, he just loves it there because everything he does, every little thing, every little mannerism, the crowd just loves. And he eats it up. They eat it up. It's just a perfect match. And, and he's been great in this G1. Uh, just a perfect blend of this and i hope he's in g1s from here on out forever he's just he fits with anybody he can wrestle any style he's just he's so good so good in new japan and then at zero points it's toro yano rich take it away what do you have uh man and i know like the thing with toro yano is everybody in past years was always kind of happy for the Toriano match because it was like, okay, cool. Like, we can kind of calm down a little bit, have a little bit of fun because every match otherwise is going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be, you know, we're just going to go nuts and everyone's going wild. Sometimes it's nice to have a little, you know, oh, okay. It's Toriano versus whoever. That's good. I can kind of just sit back, relax. You know, he's going to take the cover off the the turnbuckle. He's going to roll up. It's going to be fun. You, You know, there was always that. This year when you don't have every single match just killing it, 
man, those Toriano matches are like, fuck. And like, especially if he's against someone good, like that Naito match, I was like, oh, who's Toriano? God damn it. Like, because the card wasn't that good. And like six, you know, night six was just okay. And I was like, all right, here we go. Damn it, it's Naito. And it gets, yeah, oh, man, it's just like, I, I've hated him this tournament. I just think it, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I liked it the prior years. I really did. I enjoyed the kind of change of pace. But this year, it's like, man, I wish they just replaced him with someone that was good. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it's just not doing anything. And, and it's like, we, we got rid of him because he, he went to Noah and he's teaming with Marafuji. And I, I go through screeners with Noah. I, I don't dive into Noah shows right away. I have to have someone tell me, watch this match or you might like this. Because I, I only have so much time today. I'm not going to sit through a funeral at Noah in Cork and Hall and, you know, watch Marafuji struggle to get Yano and whoever he's in the ring with uh, to have a compelling match. Uh, so I've just, I've tuned Yano out. He hasn't been a part of my wrestling viewing in 2016. And now that he's come back, I'm like, I wish you'd go back to Noah where I don't have to watch you. Yeah, it's just, it's just been, it's been not good. And, and that's, you know, as I said, prior G1s, you could kind of live with it. You could live with the comedy. But this year, it's just like, nah, man. Like, we, there's so many talented wrestlers, both in this company. And, and it's like, man, it, if you wanted to have a guy lose, if you wanted to, hey, okay. And you can use that argument, hey, we need guys to have zero. We can't have, you know, it's nice, it's it's a good story development just to have this guy get, you know, lose every time, and then we can have a bunch of guys win. Then, you know what, make it a junior. You know, make it one junior that just has no chance of winning, but has decent matches. You know, is that too radical to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's there's just so many better things you could have done with this Toriano spot. And you can tell the crowds, too. I mean, they enjoy him a little bit, but it's less and less every night. It's like, all right, like, we don't really, like, it, it's just the same stuff. It's just, I don't know. I, I just have no appeal for it. Maybe some people still like it. Maybe some people still enjoy it. But I have just not been a fan of it uh, this entire G1. And maybe it's, it's it, it might be a reason that, it, you know, this G1 kind of feels a little bit different for me. It's just that those matches are kind of dragging, uh, you know, the beat block down a little bit. But uh, let's review what we have going on this weekend because we got uh, some pretty fun cards coming up. Uh, July 30th, as we mentioned, we're recording this on Friday night, so this show might have happened by the time most of you are, are listening, but we'll review it anyway. It's the B Block. Uh, Yoshihashi versus Evil, looking forward to that one for sure. Hanma versus Toro Yano, don't have to watch that one because that'll be terrible. Uh, Nagata Nakajima, I am into that and I will watch that. Shibata versus Naito, I am into that and I will watch that. And Elgin versus Omega, that should be good. So hopefully Ken Omega brings his A game there. That July 30th show looks pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, that, that'll be a fun show that's in uh, the Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium, which is a building that I really like. I actually think it looks great on camera. Dragon Gate runs their Dead or Alive show there every year. Um, I'll be all into Yoshihashi versus Evil because that has a chance to be really fun. I don't know if Nagata and Nakajima have ever crossed paths um, in Nakajima's freelance work. I don't think they have, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Shibato and Naito, I enjoyed their stuff last year. I'm looking forward to an even better Shibata wrestling Naito this year. And it's all up to Omega if he wants to have a good match or not with Elgin. Because uh, I, I have faith in Big Mike that he can deliver against anyone right now. It's just a matter of whether or not Omega is going to make jokes and if he's going to call out the New Day. Or if he wants to be the Kenny Omega that I actually enjoy. All right, uh, on July 31st, this is uh, Saturday morning, uh, or Sunday morning, rather. Um, this show, how oh, I don't know. <laughs> this could be an interesting one. Uh, with the A block, you got Sonata versus Bad Luck Fale. That, that'd probably be pretty solid. Uh, Ishii versus Tamatonga, eh, you don't know. <laughs> like, again, like, it's Tomaru Ishii, so there's no reason for it to be bad, but, man, Tamatonga. Uh, Hiroshi, Tana, or, or, or Hiroshi Tenzan. Uh, versus uh, Hiroshi Tenzan versus Kazuchika Okada. That'll be awesome. I have no doubt that's going to deliver big time. Uh, Togi Makabe versus Marafuji. 
Marifuji's been great, but Makave, I don't know. That's going to be a weird one. And then Tanahashi versus uh, Goto, which, again, yeah, Tanahashi's there. It should be good, but Goto I haven't really liked. So this is a weird show for me. It's like these these have a high range. Like they could go really good or they could go bad. I don't know. That uh, Makabe-Marifuji match is really going to make some people hate professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, there are some people uh, in the lower portion of the United States that love a nice strike in their wrestling. And Makabe and Marifuji are not going to deliver that. Now, Marifuji's actually, he's looked great uh, with his his funny-looking kicks in this tournament. He, he's delivered yeah, He's few... actually kicking people. Yeah, because he's <laughs> actually just fucking <laughs> kicking everybody. He uh, he channeled his, <laughs> channeled his Anderson Silva on one and just kicked Okado <laughs> right in the jaw. Uh, but that match could be a train wreck if they're not careful. Um, I think you're a fool if you think Tenzan is going to lose to Okada. That is the Tenzan story. That's what they're going to do in this G1. He's not going to the finals. He might be in contention on that last day in Sumo Hall, but he's in this G1 to beat Okada. Looking forward to that. Uh, I have no interest in Tanahashi versus Goto because of how I feel about Goto. I'll watch it, but I I can only care so much because I'm not into Goto right now. Uh, and then August 1st, that's Monday, of course. That's not technically the weekend, but we'll go with it anyway because it's Monday uh, early morning. Uh, B-Block comes back again with uh, a pretty fun show as well. Omega versus Evil, which should be good, again, <laughs> provided Omega wants to have a great match. Uh, Shibata versus Yano. That might be the one Yano match I watch because I hope Shibata just kicks the <laughs> hell out of him. Like, you know what I mean? Because Shibata doesn't take that shit. So that, that'll be a fun one to see. That's the one Yano one I might definitely check out. Uh, Nagata versus Elgin. Elgin's going to just love being in the ring with Nagata, and Nagata you know, has delivered pretty well this entire tournament, so that one I'm looking forward to for sure. Han versus Naito, that's going to be awesome. There's no way that's not great, right? Yeah, no, that, that'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, Nakajima versus Yoshihashi. Again, uh, you know, the, the the shortest maybe G1 match of all time between the two guys, but yeah, that should just be uh, a really, really fun match between those two. Nakajima sort of with the chip on his shoulder, Yoshihashi with the chip on his shoulder as well. So those are two guys that are going to, obviously, I think, going to look to really just deliver an incredible match and maybe steal the show. So that's one that I'm definitely looking forward to. That August first show, I like I like both of the B-Block matches, uh, in this, or the both B-Block cards uh, this weekend as well, which is crazy because the A-Block is a much t- more talented one, but you look at that July 31st show, and it's like, ah, there's a lot of variations that could go on there, but both of those B-Block uh, shows are solid and good. Like, I'm really looking forward to both of those. Yeah, big, big Mike versus Nagata on the first. That that could be a lot of fun. Um, I like Nakajima Hashi, and uh, I'm liking Hanma Naito. I think, obviously, Hanma Naito last year would be a lot more fun, but I have faith that they're going to deliver in that one. So, yeah, B-Block, I... It it feels different, and I think part of that is Nakajima, who we haven't seen in New Japan at all, and having mm-hmm. Yoshihashi and Evil in there helps. Uh, but th- those two B-block cards, as you said, look much more fresh and much more fun than that A-block. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're running out of time here in a little bit. We're not going to go the full uh, full bolt three hours. I'm sorry, Case. Oh, I know you uh, you you want to completely ruin your entire night. <laughs> I know you got you got Tormund to get to, so you got no time for that. Uh, real quickly, WWE thoughts because uh, we actually have to do this a little bit. I'm not going to go down the entire battleground card because that's just no fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, out. we could speed through it. I don't have hot takes on WWE stuff. Yeah. That you know, I was honestly just going to pick up uh, a few matches that I think are, are worth talking about. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. What did you think of that one? Because I thought that was just incredible. Uh, one of my favorite matches of the entire year. I don't know if it's going to be on my match of the year, but it's it's definitely going to be in contention. I thought Zayn was just next level great here. Owens was awesome too. Those two just make magic when they get the chance to do it, and this was one of those ones. And this might be, you know, if you honestly said to me, hey, this is my favorite match between those two, 
I, I wouldn't call you out. I wouldn't argue with you because I think you're you're right on the money there. I love the finish of Zane sort of thinking about it. You know, he, he hits the one Huluva kick and he's got it. He kind of closes his eyes and he wonders, should I do this? How badly do I want to win this? You know, this is my friend. We went all these different places. Like we did all this. Do I want to kill him? Do I want to win this? Match? Like he just goes through all these emotions. And then just like he did in uh, the NXT match against Neville, he kind of goes, you know what? No, <laughs> I want to win this match. I want to kill this guy. Hits him with a Luva kick and pins him. And it's just so great. Such a great moment. Uh, in wrestling and just I thought this was an awesome match an absolute must watch if you skipped Battleground for any reason yeah this is my WWE match of the year so far um, I liked it more yeah, than yeah. Styles versus Reigns at Extreme Rules and I liked it more than Nakamura Zayn in NXT uh, this match was exactly what I wanted it to be because it's it, to me it's so cool that these two guys have done battle all over the world literally and now they're they're having those same sort of matchups but Michael Cole's calling them now. They're still doing that insane stuff that only Owens and Zayn can do. They're delivering. They have chemistry like none other. I I think the story of those two is just, it's so cool to watch. And I, I love what they did. I love the finish. The camera work with Zayn and his face and the final Haluba kick. I couldn't get enough of that. I was just so excited to see that happen. Um, so this, I... You know, I wasn't going to watch all of Battleground. I ended up anyways because I knew I was going to be on this show. Uh, but I, I made sure to go out of my way to watch this. It's It'll probably finish in my top ten. This year it's had some really high-end stuff. Uh, but I can't imagine this not being in my top ten if I were to submit a list right now. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Absolute must-watch if you skip to Battleground. Um, and, and I think one of the things you, you mentioned, again, that the the awesome part about it is if you've watched all the other Zane, you know, Generico Owen steam matches or whatever, you, you, you've seen a lot of the same stuff, but I think they do it in a way where it's, it doesn't seem like, Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, they did that same spot in PWG. You know what I mean? Like you don't get that from these guys. You go, Oh, that's awesome. They did that same spot in PWG. You know what I mean? Like that's something those guys have been able to do so well is that you never get sick of seeing some of the same stuff. You know, they do the, the fry Takayama punches. Uh, they did that at payback and uh, they didn't do it here, but they do that every so often. Uh, they'll do, um, um, Owens has a thing where he kind of shoves his face, you know, right in in in, in Zayn's face and kind of shoves him to the side. Like, there's just so many callbacks and fun stuff that they do that it doesn't feel old. It doesn't feel like oh, you're just copying what you did in another company. It's they, they they're just able to harness that so well where you go oh, that's so cool because that's something they did in Ring of Honor or that's something they did in PWG. It's just yeah, they, those guys are awesome. Um, and this was just an incredible match. And if it's the final kind of big time match between those two, a, a great way to end it. Um, and, and yeah, the story was great. Zayn finally prevailing. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved it and uh, an absolute must watch. Uh, and then quickly, the main event, uh, Dean Ambrose uh, retaining his title against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. What do you think of this one? Because I, uh, I was a little disappointed by it and people got kind of mad at me. of saying, oh, no, it was great. And I think I wasn't disappointed about the work because I thought the work was pretty solid. I was just disappointed on the story. Like I thought the Shield in a triple threat main event at a WWE pay-per-view for the championship, I, I just wanted to be so into this match, and I just kind of wasn't. I just sort of wanted it to end, and I, I don't know why. This was the match that people were asking themselves, what WrestleMania is this going to main event? This was supposed to be the match. And when you think about modern WWE with no Daniel Bryan and no CM Punk, there are there are no more important people that, that or that they feel are more important than Ambrose, Reigns, and Rollins. And th- this is a match that everyone should have cared about, and I couldn't. I just I did not care about it, and I thought the work was fine. I mean, it was a triple threat match, so it's I could only care so much. And you had Ambrose and Rollins in there, who I I don't care for at this point, and Reigns, who is fine. He's he's fine. Roman Reigns is a fine wrestler. Um, 
but it was a it was a good match, but one that I you know I've already forgotten the main spots, and it's not something that I'm gonna remember. And when someone asks me next year what happened last year at Battleground, I won't remember this match. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the the table spot, of course, where they you know it was this time it was Ambrose and Rollins yeah, putting Reigns to the table. That that was that was real cool. You know, Rollins turning on him, you know, immediately too was cool. But like that was kind of the only big takeaway. And otherwise, they were throwing themselves around. They were having it, it seemed like a, a pretty solid match, but just like the character direction just seems they just seem so directionless. Every single one of these guys and Reigns not being there for the build didn't help. But there was just something missing here, and that that's why I was disappointed. I wasn't disappointed in the work. I thought the work was fine, but man, like you said, I really just thought. When those guys face each other, when it when it when that's the triple threat match and that's the main event and it's for the championship, this is going to be something I'm going to love. This is going to be a match we're going to be talking about for generations. And it was it, it came and it went. And like we're a week later and we're not, I mean Raw and SmackDown almost blew it out of the water completely. Raw almost on its own blew it out of the water. More people were talking about Raw. Yeah, no, Raw, you know, Raw was Tuesday. a good show. Yeah. I enjoyed Raw. I yeah, Raw was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to go into like a match by match, but Raw was really good. Uh, nice little reset on the brand, which. I had been calling for, and I think a lot of people were calling for, and we weren't very confident they were going to do that. But they hit us with a new logo. They changed the announcers. They changed the intro. They changed the stage a little bit. They changed where the cameras are. They changed, you know, some of the camera cuts. Like that was cool. And then immediately, you know, you get Finn Balor at the end of <laughs> at the end of Raw. Finn Balor's your number one contender. Like, okay, <laughs> like that's that that happened quick. Like, yeah, it's uh. It's interesting, one, when you look at this main event and how I, I didn't have any emotional attachment to those three wrestlers, and then you look at Zayn and Owens and how much I cared about that ma- match, or Cena, um, Enzo, and Big Cassie, it's the club even. Th- those six all have roles that I can sink my, my teeth into and that I understand what they're doing. And then with that main event scene, it's just those are the three guys that are just, they're, they're there now. And I, and I love the Shield, and I, I wanted to cheer for them all as individuals when the Shield broke up, but it's not happened that way because it's been marred with, you know, the authority and Dean Ambrose being a goofball and Roman Reigns being Roman Reigns, which is sometimes good and sometimes bad. So it, that, that didn't feel important. And then as for Raw, I loved Raw. But I, I can't get too excited because, to me, they have to show that they can sustain the changes for a period of time um, and not just the one-week reset and then we go back to, to everything is like it was for the past you know 10 years. I, I'm going through right. 2006 Raws on the network right now, which has been a lot of fun for me because – not to make you sound old, but 2006 Raw, sort of my childhood. <laughs> um, there, there are two things I've taken away from 2006 Raw, and one – Everything is the exact same as 2015 or 2016 Raw. And two, I was a child in 2006, and my mother would walk in sometimes when I'm watching wrestling, and she would be very concerned about the women on TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. would be like, I don't want you watching this. And at the time, I didn't understand it. But now, as I'm going back and watching these 2006 Raws, the amount of sexual undertones in uh, low-cut tops, it's just insane. I mean, it's like, and it's not a good insane. It, like, it's like, that's gross. You need to put on a, a nice cardigan, maybe. But <laughs> right. I just, I, I can't believe that that's what 2006 Raw was. But the problem is that I'm watching it, I'm like, that's the same format, they're doing the same thing. So if they can keep up these changes, then I'll watch Raw every week. But if not, you know, they, they've got me for this upcoming Monday. And then if they continue, then I'll watch the next Monday and the next Monday. But I can't get too excited about one week of a really good Raw because we've seen that before and then it just goes right back to normal. 
Yeah, I was uh, just just. <laughs> it's kind of funny here. I just want. I picked like I, I. I just went to some random results page, and I just wanted to see. Uh, just get a lay of the land of like the summer of 2006 of Raw. Just just clicked a random show out of nowhere, June 19, 2006. Nothing important about this Raw whatsoever. Just clicked it. The opening match is Candice Michelle and Mickey James versus Maria and Tori Wilson in a bra and panties tag team match. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and just uh, just a, a complete Tori random show. a beautiful show. woman, but I, you know, that's not why I watch wrestling. Right. I just love that that's the opener. I was like, yeah. oh, well, how bad? Okay. The opener was a two, a two minute. It only lasted a minute and 20 seconds. Like, we couldn't get these, like, get out of your clothes as fast as humanly possible, <laughs> ladies. Like, get out there and strip in, in two minutes. Let's go. But yeah, that's your, uh, your, your minute or your, your opener, which is just, just fantastic. But uh, yeah, I'm looking through this 2006. I remember enjoying this year. Um, for the most part, yeah, the the, the striptease, uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> There's so I'm much stuff because I'm still sort of in that road to WrestleMania right now. So they're doing the uh, the Trish and Mickey James storyline. And yeah, it's a awesome. lot of like weird, still sort of homophobic, like Mickey likes Trish and she like likes her. And it's all really, yes, really yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's uh, one of the all-time great WrestleManias, though. Yes. I mean, just really good. Great. I, I, and I'm excited for the SmackDowns to come with the network. Because as I talked about on the DKP show with Al once, and the Falcon, Mikey Falcone and I, are so ready for these 2006 SmackDowns to be on the network. Because I love that area of Ray and steroided-up Kurt Angle going insane. You had London and Kendrick <laughs> and the Mexicals. That's going to be fun for me. But these Raws have been interesting. I like Edge in this era. I like Cena in this era. Yeah, Edge is great. But, but these shows are covered with the, the weird diva stuff and Shelton Benjamin's mother. And I don't know if you remember that. Oh, but God. This is the Mama Benjamin year? This, it, oh, she's in so, so many segments on every yeah. show. And they are atrocious. That, to a point that I I'm I I've started to fast forward them because I like she's doing the thing where of course like Vince was still like heavily involved at this point so she's like being seductive towards Vince and I of course that's happening because it's Vince McMahon but there are just so many things that Mama Benjamin's doing that I just don't care about it's awful and Shelton Benjamin's still really good and of course he's he's coming back because there's not a developmental territory that they have with Shinsuke Nakamura on it right now. Nope, they need to go out and sign Shelton Benjamin. Uh, <laughs> Jinder Mahal. You gotta go Jinder <laughs> Mahal. I need a, level, a worker at the level of Jinder Mahal. I mean, come on. <laughs> you don't just make him in a factory, all right? You gotta, you gotta go out and seek out. Yeah, Jinder Mahal, man. Yeah, that, that's. I do remember the character. I, I remember Cena. really loving Cena in 2006. Like, it, it was the first time that his character got booed. Yeah. And he kind of had like a nice little edge to him he, and stuff. He still and, sort of was using the Boston accent and still like sort of said some things that were like, hmm, that's an interesting thing to say on national television, but the, the stuff with he and edge is really good. I've really enjoyed yeah, yeah, watching yeah. that. That's great. But yeah, the rest of uh, raw was pretty terrible. At that yes. time, unfortunately. Uh, so, so not advised, but no, kind of fun. Yeah, definitely fun to kind of check that out uh, and go through. I, I need to pick a year. I, I've always wanted to, uh, to just grab a random year and watch like old raws or old smackdowns or whatever. And quite picked out what year it's going to be. Uh, exactly. Yeah, because I think it's too touche. Uh, you know, to to kind of go do you know 2002 SmackDown. Like I kind of do want to do that, but like I've seen, you know yeah, what I mean. Like that's just the easy once one that those 2006 pick. Smackdowns get uploaded. I am that's a, that might be the good one. That might be the one that I jump in on too, because it's just like that's one that not everybody talks about, but it is also really fantastic. It's, it's a too, fun so. year, especially in a vacuum when you're not looking at some of the bad booking that happened. But it's like you've got Ray in the main events who's on fire. You've got Kurt Angle who 
was doing like that sort of MMA hybrid stuff. It was also just yeah. out of his mind that year. Or- Orton was really good in that Orton year. Was uh, if I remember Taker correctly, was, was good. Solid. You had Finley. And then on the undercard, you had London and Kendrick, who I like. You had Super Crazy and Psychosis. Um, William Regal and Dave Taylor came in at the end of the year. And you had just some some weird things happen, like you had Gunnar Scott come in, you had Paul Burchell, pirate. Um, so it's it'll be a fun year. I'm actually I'm really excited for those to eventually pop up on the network. All right, Case. Anything else, uh, WWE land before we get out of here? Oh no, I've spent too much time talking about WWE. All right, you have. So of course, uh, just kind of recapping the show. Of course, you do want to check out Kobe World. Uh, if you want a little taste before you watch, uh, go to VoiceWrestling.com. Check out Case Lowe's uh, article um, and review of uh, Kobe World. We also had a really good preview yeah, as well. The, so open if you the Voice Gate team did the uh, the preview yeah. for that show. Yeah, you guys did a really good job with that too. So if you want to go, hey, I want to be unspoiled. You guys said the show is great. Well, go to there and you can you can get a preview. You can get a, every background to every match we talked about. It a little bit you listen to it here so we kind of spoil it for you anyway but hey go back <laughs> rewatch the preview uh listen to that uh, you know you guys i believe did a podcast as well kind of previewing it as well and then yeah read your review and then watch the show absolutely a must watch uh g1 really good weekend coming up you got the b block a lot of good stuff going on there the a block we'll see could be good could be bad <laughs> we'll find out uh and then wv we just need just one more week guys one one more good raw and then we're then we might be hooked again but yeah, we're gun shy, and we are are we. I think we're fair enough in being that gun shy about that. So, uh, anyway, case before we get out of here, do you want to let people know where they can uh, find your work and where they can follow you on Twitter and all that other good stuff? Yeah. Um. First of all, like I said, we'll be recording and open the voice gate uh, this week and reviewing Kobe World, and it'll be a little different than the review Rich and I did. Um, we'll have more people on there, different voices, and if you've listened to Open the Voice Gate before, if you haven't and you're wondering what's this podcast about, really lighthearted. Um, we like reviewing the fashion of the wrestlers, um, especially this one. Yamato wore a shiny jacket, so we'll have a 15-minute a segment <laughs> about that, I'm sure. Um, but Open the Voice Gate is a fun show. If you didn't get your Kobe World fix here, you want more Dragon Gate audio, uh, Open the Voice Gate records as much as we can, uh, previewing and reviewing Dragon Gate events. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore in your case, and you can find me on the Voice of Wrestling forums talking about any and all wrestling. Including your tour, So, yeah, go yes. back. Go definitely watch that. Yeah, you got to have a good – you're planning something, too. We might have something cool on the website coming I, up I, we've got, in the next few months. I'm, yeah. I'm planning two things. One you know about. One's a secret. It's just going to show up in your Gmail one day. Right, 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 right. So a lot of good stuff coming up um, as well. So, anyway, again, this uh, podcast was sponsored by Mac Weldon. You definitely want to go there. MacWeldon.com. Use the coupon code VOW. You can take 20% off the most comfortable underwear, undershirts, socks, T-shirts, hoodies, whatever. Case is going to buy his whole wardrobe there. I have their underwear. Fantastic. Joe has their hoodie. He can attest to it. But, yeah, we what really love Robert them. What does Robert Karen have? Uh, Robert Karen didn't get anything because <laughs> Joe spent everything. So <laughs> I love that. So Joe spent everything, sent me a message and said, oh, okay, I ordered my thing. Go order your thing. And I went, all right, cool. So I went and I've ordered my underwear. And then uh, I look and I said, Joe, there's no money left. And he went, oh, well, I bought a hoodie. And I was like, well, no, you weren't supposed to buy that hoodie. The hoodie's like 70 bucks. Like, buy the underwear. The underwear is like 20 bucks. And like, yeah, it, it's it, the stuff's a little pricey. Like, the hoodie's a little pricey. The underwear's a little pricey. But when you wear it, you will understand why it's so pricey. And, hey, they give you 20% off using that coupon code VOW. So it's less pricey now. Now it's almost the same price as whatever crappy underwear you were going to buy or whatever crappy socks or T-shirt or whatever you were going to buy. Take that 20% off coupon code VOW. MacWeldon.com, then you get pretty much the same price you would get anyway, and it's the most comfortable stuff in the world, so you, you can't beat it. So anyway, Case, I thank you for coming in. You know, Get back to that dojo. you got to go to bed. you got training in the morning, so uh, I know it's getting a little late for you, so let's uh, do that for sure. But anyway, thank you for filling in. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and we'll be back next week on the Voice Wrestling Podcast. Take care. In a world of one million 
Wrestling Podcast, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.